So it is the 19th of November 2019. This is a live stream that I've kind of come up with impromptu. I was sitting there at the cafe this evening at my computer and a few comments were left on my website with regards to skepticism. And what had happened was a member of my website had recently read an article I by Jay Dyer. So it is the 19th Hold on. We're definitely of November 2019. Let me press pause on that. So anyway, so this member had read a, an article by Jay Dyer that was published on his website recently with regards to skepticism and epistemology. And these are the kinds of topics that sometimes I like to talk about as well. And so do some of the members of my website. So I took a quick look at the article and I thought this will make a perfect little topic to talk about because th these are very important questions. For those of us who say, oh, the TV might be lying or the government might be lying or the academians, the academics rather, might be lying. Well, what does it mean to say that they're lying? Or what does it mean to say that they're not telling the truth? Or what does it mean to say that they think they're telling the truth, but in fact, their own methodology is flawed or in fact science isn't rigorous at all and most of these people are just parroting the stories that they're given what does it mean to say all of these things well you need a foundation in in this question of what is to say that something is true or it's logical or whatever and these are the kinds of topics that are covered in the field of epistemology which is like a branch of philosophy so epistemology sounds if you're not uh, trained in philosophy or if you don't read books on these topics it can sound daunting but really epistemology is just this question of what is the nature of truth how can we say that something is true is there such thing as objective truth if there is what's the difference between objective truth and subjective truth i mean there's you could reel off dozens of questions and all of them in one way or another come back to this this field of epistemology just the study of of the nature of knowledge or the exploration of the nature of knowledge. What is it to know something? These are all the kinds of questions that epistemology deals with. And Jay Dyer, a very intelligent, educated man, apparently has studied philosophy at a postgraduate level. These are the kinds of things he talks about as well, which I think is one of the reasons why he is popular by the, the standards of the, the conspiracy subculture. Jay Dyer is a fairly popular person. I think his channel has, I don't know, 50,000 subscribers, 100,000, I'm not sure. His book, his first book, Esoteric Hollywood, the last I checked had a couple hundred reviews, which that's a successful book. If you're an independent author, that's very successful because not everybody who reads your book is going to leave a review. So, it, you know, the ratios of, of book sales to book reads to book reviews, who knows? It'll vary from book to book. But if you've got a couple hundred reviews on your book, you're doing pretty well. So uh, he's definitely got a good footprint in the in the conspiracy subculture, I would say, Jay Dyer. So, so yeah, the point of the story is that a member of my website had read one of his recent articles, left a comment on my website, and I thought, you know what, why don't I do a live stream tonight? And I'll use that as the anchor, as the basis for the stream. But what I'll also do is read out your comments from the live stream. So why don't we give that a go right now? Let's see who's in the live stream at this very minute. We've been joined by Josh Ongley. I'm not familiar with you, Josh. If you are using a moniker and you're a long-time subscriber, then please accept my apologies, but I'm not familiar with yourself. We've got Lee Harvey Hitler, who I think has been following my work on YouTube for years now. We've got Jay Roberts is in the house, a member of JohnLeBond.com. The Deco channel says hello. I'm not familiar with you. Welcome to the channel. And Thrice 8 Hermes. 
who is a member of the website and has been putting out terrific work recently. I might even play one of his videos as an intermission during this presentation. We'll see how things go. We'll see what the uh, the night has in store. So let's get straight to the action then, and let's go and take a look at this article that I published on johnthebond.com in August of last year, and it's entitled The Practice of Skepticism. You can see there the thumbnail that I put together is a quote which is attributed to Socrates. Strong minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Weak minds discuss people. I'm sure you've heard this yourself before, this idea that, oh, the... The, the dumb people, they just want to discuss other people and gossip, yeah? The average minds, they want to talk about the events. You know, they, they're too smart for the gossip, but they focus on events from the past. But the strong minds, they're all about ideas, right? It sounds nice. It's nice rhetoric. There's a couple of problems with it, though. The most obvious one being, who was Socrates? And why do you believe that Socrates existed? Why do I believe that Socrates existed? Now, you can come back to me and say, okay... It doesn't matter who said it. It's still a nice little truism or way to see the world. Focus on ideas and not on people. And and insofar as that is what the quote is meant to be about, sure, I've got no problems with that. Let me say that today, I'm not here to talk about Jedi specifically, although if I do have anything to say about him, it won't be coming from a place of hate or of negativity. I don't hate Jedi uh, at all. In fact, what he's done is, I think, inspirational. Assuming that he is who he says he is, and I believe that he is, He's just a guy who studied post-grad philosophy and then started doing movie reviews on a blog, what, 10 years ago, something like this. Got good at it, built up an audience, started doing podcasts, has a talent for impersonations. He's like a comedian, uh, networked with some people. Uh, what's that guy's name? The guy who made, is it Room 237? You know the guy I'm talking about. Kind of like an independent filmmaker anyway. Networked with him, now works with him and has built up an audience, now written a couple of books which were mostly just the essays he wrote, just repackaged, which is a very smart thing to do, I think. And, and now he's having success. I think it's totally cool. So no no hatred from me at all. In fact, we discussed Jay Dyer's book in episode 29 of my member Skype series. This is from July of last year. And I actually invited Jay to join us for the call. He declined the invitation. We spoke about four or five different personalities in the act realm as part of... The act realm, if you hear me use that term, that just means conspiracy subculture. Act realm means conspiracy subculture, AECT, alternative conspiracy truth. I look at this as a, a subculture that's bigger than just conspiracy because a lot of people won't even identify as conspiracy theorists. You know, the, the term has certain connotations and, and what have you, but a lot of people see themselves as alternative or they think they're looking for the truth. So if you just put those three concepts together, you've got this broader conspiracy subculture or act realm, as I call it, but those two, two terms are interchangeable. <coughs> Pardon me. So where was I? Oh, yeah, so I actually invited Jay Dyer, Jan Irvin, Ab from Fakeologist.com, and one other person from that uh, season to, to join us for their, for their week. Like, I put a week aside for some of these people. And uh, the only one who joined me was Tim, Ab from, Ab, Tim, same person, from fakeologist.com. So that was a great call. But the calls where the guests who were invited didn't take up the invitation, we still spoke about their work, and we spoke about Chad Eye's work, like I said, in episode 29 of the Member Skype series. So what I'll do, if you want to hear that particular call, to hear what myself and Chad, forgive the sound, by the way, 
I've got the window open. I'm here in Hanoi. I should have mentioned that. I've got the window open. I just like the fresh air. And it's actually a bit chilly now in Hanoi. So nice cold air coming in is, uh, is nice. So you will hear some background noise. So please forgive me for that. But anyway, if you want to hear what myself and Chad had to say about Jay Dyer, his book, Esoteric Hollywood, and some of his ideas, then make sure you sign up as a mailing list uh, person. Go and sign up to the mailing list. It's free. You just click here and... There you go, just sign up on the mailing list. And what I'll do is, in a couple of days, I'll send out uh, a link to the full call for you for episode number 29. So, uh, so yeah, but many of you guys are already members of the website, so you've already heard this call. But so the point of my story is, yeah, you can hear that one and you'll hear nothing uh, negative or, or hateful towards Jay. In fact, if you listen to any of those calls, you won't hear any hatred from myself or from the members of my website towards other personalities in this scene. And uh, the way that I see it is everybody has their own shtick, their own take, their own audience. Everybody's appealing to their own kind of people. So, um, yeah, all cool, even if we have different opinions. And uh, and I'm not a member of Jadai's website. Let's take a look at this. He has a membership section. What's going on here? Let's refresh this. This is going to work. Okay, for some reason, his banner isn't loading, but um, that's Jadai's website. He has his own membership section. I'm not personally a member, but that's just because I've got so much other material that I'm still trying to work my way through that the last thing I need is is more material. Because when I'm listening to podcasts or reading articles, I tend to get right into it and then I tend to want to take notes and do reviews and all this kind of stuff. So I feel like I can always just come back and, and join Jay's website later and sort of go through his material later. No need to, to do it right now. But uh, I do have his book. I've got a copy of Esoteric Hollywood, and I read all the chapters on the movies that, that I'm interested in. I think there's some chapters in there about James Bond movies or something. I've never seen James Bond movies. Not that I can remember, anyway. So I'm not as, as interested in, in those chapters, but the chapters on, say, Eyes Wide Shut or uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, this kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in reading. And the chapters that I read in the book were interesting. You know, the, the thing with movie interpretation is that a, mo- a good movie is open to an almost infinite number of interpretations. So when you're reading someone else's interpretation, the idea isn't to be either, oh, I agree or I disagree. The idea is to just take take the good things. So in my case, if I'm... Suppose on any particular week, I'm interested in just to choose any any film, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I will try to listen to half a dozen or more different podcasts on the film. I'll try and read one or two or three or even more uh, blog reviews of the film and get my head around, or, or videos as well on YouTube, get my head around a whole bunch of different interpretations and then take the good from it. So this person might say, hey, did you notice that this poster, it also turned up later in the film in this other scene and that might suggest there's a, a connection between those two scenes that isn't necessarily obvious you know, these kinds of things so I take all of these things from people take the good stuff sometimes people will say stuff and I'll be like is that really true is that and I'll go and double check and sometimes it's true sometimes it's not take all the stuff that I think is true or all the things that people have noticed that you actually can verify in the film or whatever and then come up with my own interpretation so reading through the chapters that I found interesting in Jay's book I just took the good stuff and didn't necessarily agree with the interpretation Especially because, like, say with Eyes Wide Shut, you know, Jay Dyer is one of these people who, uh, I don't want to say promotes or pushes, but he's of this opinion that there are elite sex cults, right? There are pedo rings and this kind of thing. And 
the, a, a huge a huge proportion of the act realm of the conspiracy subculture they love that stuff if you go to reddit conspiracy the conspiracy subreddit you will just find countless threads every day especially if there's a news story about Epstein or what was that one that happened yesterday Prince was it Prince Andrew or Prince Philip or something like this you just see thread after thread oh child sex rings all this kind of stuff people love it people within the conspiracy subculture there is a huge proportion and I can't give you an exact figure it could be 20% it could be 30% it could be 40 it could be 50 it could be half of the people there I don't know they have this fixation this mental fixation on child sex abuse now, in their minds, and they will try and tell you, oh, it's because we care about the kids, but it's like, even if these stories are true, you sitting around talking about them doesn't help the kids. So it's not about helping the kids clearly. Oh, we're trying to bring, we're trying to bring awareness to it. Well, these stories are in the mainstream media, aren't they? Uh, Epstein's in the mainstream media. The story about Prince Andrew was a, or whoever it was yesterday was a mainstream media story. You can go back decades. There's stories of, people bringing call boys into the White House. Like this this idea of, oh, we need to bring awareness because the mainstream don't. No, the opposite is true. It's the mainstream telling you these stories and then a lot of people in the conspiracy subculture want to sit around and talk about it. Now, I've got theories as to why this is and, and maybe we can go into them later in this uh, presentation, but the point is that if you want to appeal to a wide audience in the conspiracy subculture... Then, then the sensible thing to do is to to go along with this narrative of oh, eyes wide shut is revealing the uh, the sex cults, you know, not just the what happens in that that main mansion that the Tom Cruise character gets into, but also you know at the end, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's uh, child in the film, she walks off with the old men. That's because if you want to get in with the elites, you have to give your children to to the other elites to to do something bad to, I suppose. You know, these are the kinds of narratives that the conspiracy subculture love, most of them. Most of them love this stuff. They seem to fully believe it. They love talking about it. They love anyone else who talks about it. They they generally don't like people like me who come along and go, you've got no evidence that there's child sex cults at all. None, zero. You've got mainstream stories, and you know that you can't trust what the mainstream say. Sometimes the mainstream will tell you the truth, maybe, but you have to have corroborating evidence. Do we have any with these child sex cults and Jeffrey Epstein and all this stuff? Do we have any? No, we don't. All we've got is the mainstream stories. And look how prominent those stories are. And look how much, you know, the conspiracy forums like subreddit conspiracy get full of these stories. If you didn't know better, you'd think this was being pushed as a distraction. Yeah. And, and yeah, I could talk about this all day. But yeah, the point is, if, if you want to appeal to a wider audience in the conspiracy subculture... Go with the, oh, they've got, the elite have child sex uh, rings and there's pedo rings and go with that because that's what, that's what most of them want. What they don't want is the skepticism, which is, well, maybe the elite have uh, child sex rings, but do we have any evidence, real evidence? I'm not aware of any. Yeah. Let me just put my little microphone back in there. I get reanimated sometimes. Are we back? Hope we're back. All right, so let's go and take a look at the live stream chat, shall we? I'll try and keep up to date the live stream chat as we go through today. So just recapping, if you're just joining us, today I'm going to look at Jay Dyer's article about skepticism. Let's go and look at the title just so we get this out of the way nice and quickly. It's entitled, 
So this particular piece is by Jay Dye. It was republished November 19, so today, but apparently it was originally published in 2012. Wow, seven years. And uh, it's entitled The Epistemological Failure of Skepticism. And this is about this is by Jay Dye. So we're going to look at this particular article. Then we're going to look at an article that I wrote last year about skepticism. We will compare and contrast the two perspectives, the Jay Dyer perspective in this essay and the JLB perspective in my essay or my article. It was a short article. I think my article was like 2,000 words or something. And then so we'll, contra- we'll contrast and compare. And uh, hopefully by the end of, of this presentation, you will have a better idea of what you think skepticism is, what you think epistemology is, what you think you can know, what can be known, what is worth knowing, how you go about finding good information, these kinds of things. My idea isn't to convince you to my way of thinking at all. I just like to encourage people to think about their thinking. And I've been very lucky in my life at various points, different people have not tried to encourage me to agree with them, but just to consider my own thinking. Well, what do I think? Why do I think that? And uh, I think this is one of the things that I can offer people is not so much I can give them the truth or the best answer, but I can say to them, well, what do you actually think and why do you think that? Now, let's talk about this. Let's let's work through it. And I think if you do that, the, the results are a lot better and long-lasting than just, oh, I like what that guy said and I'm going to agree with him. The next day, what did he say? I don't remember. Whereas if you're thinking about your own thinking, it becomes a habit. And that's really the, the main thrust of my own article, as we'll see later in this presentation, is skepticism isn't just something that you want to identify with for me skepticism is a practice and just like any you know just like a lot of good habits it takes practice to get good and it can be difficult at first especially if your habits are are the opposite which you know for most people is the case a lot of people think they're alternative now or they're skeptical now but all they've started doing is just parroting a different set of beliefs a different set of mantras a different set of uh, presuppositions but real real uh, skepticism is a practice is going to be one of the things that I try and, and put forward today. So what was I talking about? Oh, yes, the uh, the live chat. Let's go and take a look at the live chat, see who's in there, what's going on. So there's a guy in there called Anders Ace. I think he's a flat earther. Look, if you believe the earth is flat and you're happy with that, then good. Good. That's no problem for me. Why come to my live stream chat and keep parroting that? What, is it, what does it achieve for you? So that's a serious question. If you give me an answer to that question, I will read out your answer uh, during this presentation. Okay, I'm I'm quite happy for people to believe in flat Earth. What difference does it make to me? What difference does it make? Yeah, believe whatever you want. But aren't there like a dozen flat Earth chats you could be in right now and hang out with all your friends and tell each other how smart you are because we've got the flat Earth truth and we're going to bring down NASA. Yeah, isn't that more fun than? listening to me, a skeptic, you know I'm a skeptic, and you know that I can ask you questions about Flat Earth that you can't answer, and you know that doesn't feel good when I do that, so why would you want to subject yourself to that, is my question to you. Anyway, let's take a look. Uh, Let's see. Ah, round tables. Someone's mentioned the ball, they're skeptic round tables. Lee Harvey-Hitler says he's been here since before the ball Earth skeptic round tables. Yeah, 2015, man, four years ago. Wow, it is crazy. The last three or four live stream chats that I've done... By the way, there was a soccer match tonight. Vietnam versus Thailand for the World Cup qualifiers. I think it's for the World Cup qualifiers. 
And what happens here in Hanoi, and the same thing happens in Saigon as well, is after the match, even if they don't win, even if even if Vietnam doesn't win, all of the not all of the young people, but lots of the young people get together. They all ride scooters. Most most people don't own cars; they own scooters. And so they all get together on their scooters from 10 p.m. when the match ends for the next two hours, and they just circle around the city, like in groups, like a big gang, in big gangs. But they're not at all criminals. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just hanging out together. There'll be one dude riding the scooter, his mate on the back, blowing a vuvuzela, waving flags, yelling, screaming, and they're just going all around the kind of like the downtown area. And uh, yeah, I arrived in Hanoi on the night of a match. I think it was Hanoi. It was when I arrived in Saigon. I can't remember. But one of the cities I arrived in, it was on the night of a match. And I had no idea what the hell was going on because I didn't even know there was a match on. And the, yeah, the streets were just packed with all these people going nuts. And yeah, so there was a match tonight. And it was Vietnam nil, Thailand nil. They're still out there partying, man. They're having fun. So, you know, good on them. I would too if, if I was... Oh, that'd be cool. Like, obviously, I'm from, I'm from Australia. It would have been cool if, when I was 20 years old, everyone owned a scooter or a bike, and we would all just, you know, be like gangs going around the city. Like, that would have been great fun, I guess. So, good on them. They're having fun. But if you can hear a lot of noise in the background, that might be one of the things you hear. If you hear, like, a, a loud, high-pitched horn sound, it's probably a bunch of young dudes. And it's not just the dudes, either. They've all got their girlfriends on the back of the bike, and, yeah, it's, it's their version of partying on a Tuesday night. So anyway, yeah, so what I won't do, Lee Harvey Hitler, is what I've been doing the last few live streams, which is going down memory lane. Not tonight, I've, I've done it too much, but yeah, 2015, man, crazy. Let's see, who else is in the live chat? Who else have we got here? Someone liked your comment is the name of this person, so I'll call them S-L-Y-C, Slick. Slick says, I sell books on Amazon. One in 10 customers leave me feedback, which is easier than to write a review, you would think. But if it were the same for reviews, then 200 means 2,000 sales. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would think it's around that order of magnitude, one review per 10 or 20 book sales, if I had to guess. I think it would highly uh, vary depending on the... um, the, the field, you know, the, the topic of the book, the uh, genre, but then also the quality of the of the content as well. I would think it would vary wildly. But uh, yeah, if he has a couple hundred reviews on on Amazon, then that suggests he's sold thousands of copies of his book. So that to me, that's success, man. If I if I put out a book and I got th- even one thousand sales, I'd be like, that's it. I'm ha- I'm a happy man, you know. But of course, it's like anything. When you haven't done something, sell a thousand copies of a book, and I'll be like, well, this hasn't made me happy. <laughs> I guess I have to sell 10,000 copies. You know, I guess I have to do something different. It's, uh, it's funny how the mind works. <clears throat> Pardon me, I have, I have to keep clearing my throat, guys, because otherwise my voice starts to crack. So I have to keep clearing my throat. So please forgive me for that. Uh, normally when I record stuff to release, I delete all of the dead air. I delete all of the clearing did i just get disconnected guys tell me because this this i had the same problem a few months ago when i was streaming in uh i had a place in saigon i was streaming from and i got disconnected and i think it just happened again so let me know in the live chat can you guys hear me laurie gale says buffering guys on my back let me know 
Beefy Squire says back up. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I, I don't know why that happened, but let's just roll with the punches. So what was I saying? Mm, before I cut out. Oh, yeah. Lee Harvey Hiller. So revelation of the method. Where did you first hear that? Where do you think that comes from? Revelation of the method. Because based on my research, it goes back to a guy called Michael Hoffman, I believe. And, and this is going on research that I did 18 months ago. So, And I haven't revised it, sadly. So uh, don't quote me on this necessarily. But I think it goes back to a guy called Michael Hoffman. I'll double check that. And the point of my story is this idea of revelation of the method, that comes from a conspiracy guy. So a lot of people have this idea of, oh, we know the truth and thanks to the conspiracy subculture. And many people don't even think of it as a subculture. They think of it as a movement. It's not a movement. It's a subculture. Just like you can find the skateboarding subculture or the surfing subculture or the Game of Thrones mega fans uh, cosplay subculture. It's just a subculture, just a subculture. And a lot of what people think they know about the truth comes from other people who are in this subculture who've had a large uh, effect on driving the direction it's gone in and and the memes that are popular. And is it E. Michael Hoffman? I'm going to double check. During the break, I'm going to double check this. The point of my story is, yeah, this idea of revelation of the method, like that, you might not realize that is a... It's not even a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy meme, man, in, in my opinion. But you let me know where you think you heard of it. Okay, who else is in the live chat? So Laurie Gale is there. Laurie Gale, uh, I first uh, bumped into Laurie Gale online in the in the Flat Earth thing, going back years and years. Laurie, are you still in the Flat Earth thing? Let me know. What's the latest gossip in the Flat Earth? Are you still, are you still in that? Is that still part of your life, the old Flat Earth thing? Goodness gracious me. Good, look, good luck to the Flat Earth people, man. They... They're just appealing to their audience. There are some people who love the flat Earth. It gives it gives them a sense of uh, meaning, or they find it entertaining. Whatever, man. I'm. It's totally cool. Who else is in there? Numby Num. Haven't seen them for a while. They're in there. So wow, lots of names coming out for this one. Did you guys see last week when I live streamed? Was it the week before? Last week or the week before? Matrix Decode was in the chat. Timmy Osman was in the chat. Validation Boy was in the chat. Yeah, it might have been two weeks ago, I think. A week or two ago. And then I went on to... <coughs> pardon me. I went on to uh, uh, Jed Skeptics. Jed Skeptic had a live chat. I went on to that. And that was fun for about 30 or 40 minutes or maybe an hour. I can't remember. And then some troll came in. And I've forgotten that this is totally normal in in the conspiracy subculture, in the truth movement in the live stream sort of part of that it's totally normal for people to come in troll each other talk shit about each other like and people just accept it and it's like what what the hell is wrong with you people like this guy's a troll get rid of him like are we here to have a discussion or you just want this troll to sit here and insult all of us and then insult him back and that's what started happening the troll was insulting us and then the other people on the panel started insulting him and it's like oh I forgot this is to a lot of people, this is totally normal, totally acceptable. Like, and, and I used to be, like, I used to take this crap serious. I used to take these people seriously. And it's like, no, there's there's levels to this shit, man. And yeah, that, that stuff is bottom tier, bottom tier, which is where most of the people are. You know what I mean? If only it were like a pyramid. It's not. It's more like a, 
more like a funnel, an inverted funnel. You know what I mean? And most people are down here. They, yeah. So unfortunately, troll came onto the panel and yeah, just sat there insulting everybody. And then they started insulting him back. I'm just sitting there going, uh, "Hey, anyway, what can you do? What can you do?" And you have to remember too. The thing is, I run my own Skype calls now, my own Discord calls. There's like 60, maybe 65 on my website now where myself and one or more members discuss whether it's a movie or a topic or just an open house, discuss anything. And there's none of this nonsense ever, like literally ever. It just doesn't happen. So, and we can have one, two, five, six, seven people on a call and it's just polite, civil. What do you think about this? Well, I think this and this and this. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. It's totally sweet. And then I start to think that this is normal. No, it's not. It's it's normal for for myself and the kind of people who are attracted to my website. For us, it's normal. But for most people in this subculture, especially people with anything to do with flat Earth, no, it's it, yeah. And and I was like I was disappointed with myself because like because this was in the morning for me. I woke up. Was it Sunday morning? I can't remember. Maybe Monday. Sunday or Monday. So everything's going well. Then the troll comes and the whole thing just devolves and everyone starts acting basically like baboons, basically. Worse than that, just, you know, pooing in their hand and throwing it. You know, the troll comes in, poos on his hand and throws it at all of us. And I'm like, all right, get rid of him. What does the rest of the panel do? Throw the poo back at him. I'm just like, and I'm just sitting there and this poo's getting flung everywhere. I'm like, these people were very civilized for the last 45 minutes. It's been good. And now I'm just sitting here watching poo get flung everywhere. Yeah? What the fuck? Pardon my language. So so anyway, so I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Bye-bye. You guys can, can fling poo at each other. Good luck. And then so I went for my daily gym routine. And it's like a 15-minute walk from here to the gym. And the whole walk there, I was just like, man, you, you, what were you expecting? Like you, the moment the troll came in, you should have just walked away because this is what they do. They all devolve. They all devolve. You know what I mean? You know this. Like, this is what I think about. I'm like, you know this. You just wasted an hour of the day. You could already be at the gym, halfway finished. Like, an hour of your day, you're never going to get back. And, and what for? You Don't try and tell me you learned a lesson. You already know this lesson. You know, these are the thoughts that were going through my head. I'm like, yeah, I forgot this is what they're like. I forgot this is what they're like. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't forget. Like, you went through this several times. Anyway, so yeah, that's what happened. But it was, it was good to see Jed. I, I still like Jed. I think he's a very likable guy. So when I get to Scotland, hopefully catch up with him in real life. VB, I like him. I think he's likable. Hopefully, where's he? Florida. When I get to Florida, hopefully see him. And there was a couple other people on the call. They seemed like nice enough people. So yeah, it was nice to see VB and Jed. It, that's the thing. There's a lot of people out there. When they're in the right company, they're awesome people. Right? But the moment you bring in the bad elements, they devolve. You know what I mean? So I put Jed and VB in that category. Like, when they're in the right company, I think they're really cool. Put them in the wrong company and, hey, you know, that's what happens. But anyway, no, it's cool to see them. Cool to see them. So, yeah, I look back fondly on, on 2015, 2016 and, and all the people who were involved. You know, it's uh, it's it's all online. It's not real, right? Like, I, I haven't met these people in real life. But by talking to people and listening to their podcasts and... And, you know, interacting in the comments, it's very easy to, to build in your own mind a relationship with that persona. Because that's all it is, it's just a persona. I don't really know Jet. I don't really know VB. 
but the personas that they present on the screen or on the on the internet, those personas you can start to to build an affinity for it, right? So, uh, so yeah, still good memories with with those those characters from uh, 2015, 16. So yeah, anyway, I'll get back to Jay Dyer and his analysis in just a moment. Let's see, yeah, Michael Hoffman. Uh, this is Lee Harvey. Hitler says, yeah, it's Michael Hoffman. I get what you're saying. Most of it has been presented to us for a reason from the conspiracy theorists. Well, I think it's possible that somebody or some group have planted a bunch of uh, memes, ideas, red herrings for their own ends. It, but it could also be organic. Someone like Michael Hoffman could just be a regular person, just like you or me, comes up with an idea. It, it sort of resonates with people next thing becomes a, a truth that everyone believes doesn't mean that Michael Hoffman is nefarious doesn't mean that there's any uh, silly there's any nonsense going on it just means you know this, this is how people are like I think that's possible as well Laurie Gale says that guy was obsessed with trannies yeah maybe or maybe he was just acting because he started going on about the Jews as well you know what I mean like the, it's, it's very easy to talk about trannies the Jews there, there's like it does even Flat Earth is one as well if you go to a non-Flat Earth channel start talking about flat earth you know what I mean there's lots of topics you can talk about that you can pretend you actually care about when you don't but it can sort of throw people off or it can just be a way to to get under people's skin or whatever so maybe he actually did believe that we were all trannies <laughs> maybe he really did believe that or maybe he's just a clever troll who knew somehow knew that by saying that that would get all the others to start pooing and throwing poo at him which is that's all a troll wants the troll wants to walk in there throw poo at people and if he can get them to sort of climb down the ladder from civilized conversation, right? Climb down the ladder and then start throwing poo. That's all the troll wants, just to bring it down to his level. So maybe he wasn't obsessed with trannies. Maybe that was all just part of his, his trolling act, which if so, he successfully trolled Jed and BB and, and me as well. I was sitting there for an hour, so he trolled us all, if, you know, if that's, if that's what he was trying to do. So, yeah, well played, I guess. Anyway. Oh, yeah, Validation Boy says Jed failed. Well... I mean, it was his show, so he should have been the one to just boo the troll. But, I mean, you're kind of like his sidekick, VB. So you could have said, okay, this guy's just trolling us. We could we could go back to that conversation that we were all just having. It was a productive conversation. Let's get rid of the troll. Like, you could have done that as well. Whereas me, I, I, I was like a first-time guest on Jed's show in, what, years? I didn't feel it was my place to say, ah, Jed, boot this dude. Like, I don't know any of the backstory with these people. Had I known at the start, like once the troll came in, had I known that he would just keep doing that, I would have left straight away. All right, see you guys. I'll maybe come back next week, right? I was just waiting for one of you to say, all right, enough with the troll. But no, you all just evolved to baboon level. Just, hey, baboon, throw poo. You know, JLB, you wait there. We have to go down. Yeah? And I'm just sitting there like... And there's just poo getting splattered everywhere and... That's it's a funny thing about humans, man. They they can they can be intel they can seem at least intelligent, insightful, civilized, rational, logical, capable of conversation. It it doesn't seem to take much to get them to seem like monkeys with clothes. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. And then you're just sitting there like like literally five minutes ago these people were all civilized. And it Mm. Mm, mm, mm. what a time to be alive anyway uh, BB tried no you didn't you just at the moment you start trying to talk sense with that guy you're playing into his stupid game 
just boot them. See you later. You come in and insult everyone. Okay, you just throw and poo at everybody. Out you go. See you later. Good luck with your life. That's all it takes. The moment you start trying to... I mean, this is what I'm talking about. You should be able to learn the lesson and then move on with your life. You shouldn't have to keep relearning the lesson. Right? Anyway, doesn't matter. So let's get into discussion about Jay Dyer then. I think we've spoken enough about all of the other things. Let's get into a discussion about Jay Dyer and his essay here. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I haven't actually read this this uh, article in full. I read the first bit. I'm like, this seems good. I want to talk about it tonight. And then I set this uh, live stream ahead. So why don't we go through this? And I might just give my take on the first paragraph or two. Maybe the first paragraph and then the, the first two paragraphs and then the final paragraph. And I'll, there's a link already in the info box. You can go and check this out for yourself. And this is available at jaysanalysis.com. jaysanalysis.com. Like I said, published originally 2012, apparently, but republished November 19, 2019. <clears throat> All right. Jay writes, an interesting discussion recently transpired. A friend who is a scientific skeptic discussed his dubious demeanor in terms of there being advanced secret technology for two reasons. So, Jay is saying, and I'm going to give my... Um, I want to give an update after every sentence or two because from what I've read, there's a lot There's a lot in this. So he's talking about he had a discussion with his friend. His friend is skeptical of advanced uh, secret technology. Now, I'm no expert on Jay Dyer, but I'm pretty sure he used to give presentations at the advanced secret technology conferences or this kind of thing. Like the, there, there is a whole element within the conspiracy subculture that is interested in the what is it? The secret space, secret space technology or secret space missions or something like this. And I'm pretty sure Jay either does or did give presentations at these kinds of things. So it's one of the topics that he's into. And uh, as for me, look, is it possible that they're... First, first, let's get something straight. Outer space is a hoax. Okay, there's no secret space technology. That's a hoax because space itself is an obvious hoax. All right, that part's easy. But as for technology, like computer technology... Is it possible that they have advanced technology that we haven't been given yet or we don't have access to yet? That I'm very open-minded to, but I've got no evidence either way. So if there was some way for me to find out for sure, no, no, they're only a year or so ahead of what gets released to the public or, you know, it's, it's not that they're holding it, uh, that they're 20 years ahead or 50 years ahead. It's not like that at all. If I learned that were the case... By the way, even when there's not a massive soccer match, it's noisy out there. Vietnam is a noisy country. And you might say, oh, JLB, why don't you close the window? I like the fresh air. I really do. I've got a nice little balcony going on here. and Yeah. Don't worry, they'll pass. Give it a minute, they'll pass. Wish I had my water bottle here. I'm thirsty. I'll go get a bottle of water in a minute. Where was I? Oh, yeah, so secret space. Secret space, forget about it. That's a hoax, but technology look if i found out for sure that they've got technology that's 50 years ahead i'll be like oh yeah, fair enough not a big surprise if i found out no we're pretty much getting it as it's developed i'll be like yeah that wouldn't surprise me who knows i don't know but i but i think jay comes from the position of they've got secret space technology which look i understand most people believe in space most people will always believe in space we've been programmed by tv movies school even just as children, as when you're a child and, and your parents explain to you, oh, the stars, they're actually just like the sun, they're balls of gas, millions of miles away. And, and see how that, that little star looks smaller than the other one? 
it's actually bigger, it's just even further away. Ooh, you know, so we get conditioned with this stuff from a very young age. And what am I, 32? So I think I was in grade five or grade six, I was about 10 or 11 when Armageddon and Deep Impact came out in the same year. So one of these film stars, Bruce Willis, the other one stars, is it Ethan Hawke? One of those, you know, heartthrobs of the time and one of those really cute girls as well. And like you've got these massive Hollywood blockbusters one after the other about, you know, asteroids and space and all this kind of stuff. Not to mention all the science fiction. People love science fiction, whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars. When I was a kid, I loved Stargate. All this stuff. Most people are always going to believe in, uh, in space. Always. Okay? Always. No matter what I say, no matter what you say, most people are always going to believe in outer space. Always. And I get it. I understand. I understand. So if you believe in space, then maybe you think they've got technology to go to space, yeah? Some people seem to believe that like, Stargate's actually kind of real. Like, oh, you know, it might not be a Stargate, but they've got some device to get out. Like, people actually believe this stuff. They really do. It's, uh, you know, fair enough, whatever. So let's carry on with the with this uh, first uh, paragraph then. So apparently Jay's uh, friend has two reasons to doubt advanced technology. The first, such conspiracies are doubtful because they are theories and come from persons who want to promote a certain worldview, namely a conspiratorial one. Evidence is gathered, so the theory goes, that is interpreted in a certain fashion to back up the said theory. Pause for a minute. Doesn't that sound a lot like the modus operandi of those who utilize the scientific method to prove a certain theory? Why, yes it does. Second, he made the argument that the process of scientific advancement is such that whatever advances occur, occur because some someone contemporary to said person would eventually discover the same thing. Scientific advancement and discovery happens, so this narrative goes, in a community of objective, non-biased scientists committed to the use of reason and the build-up of human knowledge and progress. Communities of scientists don white lab coats and thereupon, like Mormon underwear, become sacramentally endued with a sciency force field that shields them from bias, groupthink, deception, forgery, and other nasty human tendencies. So what I think Jay Dye is talking about here is the notion a lot of people have of how science works, that it's this group of guys and girls, I guess, who all care about the truth and they follow a method to arrive at the truth and it's all done kind of like a whole bunch of independent people performing their own experiments and their own uh, re-experiments, you know, re, uh, what would you say, uh, repeating other people's experiments because that's the peer review method, supposedly. People believe that. Oh, I'm going to try and redo his experiment. It doesn't actually happen that way, right? That's not actually, that's not how science works. You'll see lemmings who don't know the first thing about what they're talking about, like, oh, the peer review process, mate. They... They've worked out with the peer review process. What do you know about the peer review process? Nothing. Okay. Here's, here's how it works. A, uh, a researcher wants to get a grant to fund some kind of study. Okay. So they go about getting the money for the grant and then they do their research, right? And what they have to do is come up with an end result, a paper that they can submit to a journal. That costs money, you see, thousands of dollars in many cases, to submit it to a journal. What the journal then does is it sends a copy of this study off to peers, oftentimes anonymous. The peers then say, yep, this study has not been done before, 
and it seems legitimate, there you go. Then they publish it. This researcher is now a published academic, or if they've been published before, they've now got another uh, paper published. And this is what academia is all about now, getting published. Have to get published, have to get published. And then you want other people citing your study. Oh, well, um, Aronson, Burgundy, and Carmichael uh, discovered the blah, blah, blah. And then this researcher will cite those people. And you want as many citations as you can get. So what they're all doing is different. They're all coming up with different studies. They're not redoing each other's studies. And the peers who supposedly are checking, they're not redoing the study either, right? It's, it's questionable if they even exist, okay, because they're anonymous. So I can't go and read a scientific journal and say, you know what, I think this, I think this study is bullshit. Who are the peers? I want to contact them and ask them what results they got. It doesn't work that way. So when you hear people, and, and this isn't my opinion, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is how it actually works. So when you hear these people talking about, oh, peer-reviewed science, it's like, what do you even know about peer-reviewed science? Nothing. Because if you knew the first thing about it, you wouldn't be citing that as evidence that somehow this is all legitimate. The moment that you actually understand how the peer-reviewed process works, you can see how illegitimate the whole thing is. Wait, so so I'm doing a study, and I want everyone to believe my study is legitimate. So what I do is I pay you to publish it, I pay you thousands of dollars to publish it and then you give it to anonymous peers to review and then you publish it. And now it's legitimate. Hmm, okay. I will give you the money and you will publish my my study. What am I going to do a study on? What's already been done, so I'm not going to get cited for that. Or something new that hasn't been done before. I'll do something new that hasn't been done before. Okay. So this idea that there are all these scientists working on each other. No, that's nonsense. It's not real. It's complete crap. And, and that's what I think that's kind of the point that Jay's making in this paragraph, right? He's kind of like, people have this perception of what science is, but that's not, that's not how it really works. So, so far, I like what, what Jay's saying. His, his first paragraph is, I had this chat with this guy, and this guy doesn't believe in advanced technology because he has this faith in the, the so-called scientific establishment, but that scientific establishment he has faith in, it doesn't work the way he thinks it works. So that, that's what I think Jay's saying in his, in his first paragraph here. So Jay then says, let's examine both of these arguments philosophically. The business of philosophy is the questioning of assumptions and presuppositions and all the sons of the Enlightenment gloat to no end about their forebears who exalted reason above and all revelation. This is true. When I was studying philosophy at university, I did an undergrad degree in uh, a university in Melbourne and I studied philosophy there. That's where I first got properly introduced to logic and thinking about thinking. The way that I felt at the time, and I think this is true for a lot of people when they're first getting into this, is this notion that they're part of it, something that's bigger than them. These, there were these great philosophers thousands of years ago, you know, Aristotle and Plato and Socrates. They helped to take, take man from primitive, thoughtless uh, life and behavior and beliefs to, to this to basically civilization in a way. It's basically to this higher level, yeah? And here we are thousands of years later carrying the tradition on and, and using this great wisdom that they shared with us and hopefully refining it. And now we're part of something special, yeah? So there's kind of like man pre-Socrates or pre-Plato or pre-Aristotle, pre-logic as we know it. And then there's man today. And, and we as people who study this stuff, we are now, you know, part of this greater tradition. Uh, I think... I think there is an element of that, you know. So, so if you get introduced to all of this when you are a, an undergrad student, you know, you're very impressionable, 
you're still trying to find your own identity in the world and you know you've you've been successful in high school so now you've been selected to go to a university and you feel very special for all of this and now you're learning the great works now you're learning from from a tradition that was started by very smart men thousands of years ago uh yeah i think you know um it's so easy to fall into this trap of thinking we're so smart now yeah we 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 have a reason and i think the point that that jay dyer is making here is that you fall into this this mindset of reason instead of revelation or instead of the divine yeah so this definitely happened with me i wasn't raised in a in a traditionally religious household i wasn't raised a christian or anything like this so it was very easy for me to get sucked into being an atheist and reading richard dawkins and all this kind of stuff and so it's like, yeah, I'm so smart. I'm, I'm learning logic and I'm learning reasoning and I'm such a philosophical smart person. I'm way too smart for revelation and, and for the books, uh, the religious books and all this kind of stuff. And, and I think where Jay's probably going to go with this, and I've heard him say similar things elsewhere. In fact, I heard an interesting chat with him and Jan Irvin of Gnostic Media. And I was re-listening to a portion of that just recently where basically you've got Jan Irvin trying to say, oh, you know, the trivium, this, this, and this. And Jay Dyer is basically saying, and I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing here, so don't quote me any of this, but Jay Dyer is basically saying, yeah, but you know, the, the truths that you can find with the trivium, they're kind of circular, aren't they? Whereas you know, maybe there are other truths about this realm that we get from Revelation. It's not something that you can prove on paper with premises and a conclusion or with uh, grammar, logic and rhetoric. It's, it's something you know that is not necessarily based on the physical material world, right? I think that's kind of the point that Jay was making there. I think this point he's making here is like people buy into this idea of reason and, and place it above revelation. And it's very easy to get people to do that if you convince them, oh, you're part of a, a long tradition of thousands of years of, of smart men who put reason above, you know, antiquated thoughts about divine revelation or something like this. So Jay then goes on, the operant assumption at work here is that there is a universally shared international discourse of egalitarian scientific rationale that men are nobly committed to. So this is what Jay's saying. He's saying that there's an assumption that there's these great men that are all sharing this universal uh, discourse. We're all working together to to bring about the truth. Yeah, working together as opposed to the, the divine revelation that I, I suppose is more of an individual thing. Uh, that that men are nobly committed to. That's another thing too. You know, we're we're convinced that science science people, you know, people who study science or people who study anything in academia, that they're noble. It's some noble quest, like almost like a sacrifice. The same way that people are convinced that that um, doctors, people who work in medicine, oh, this great sacrifice they make for us. Like they're really noble people. These people wouldn't lie to me. These people wouldn't deceive me. It's a great noble cause. These uh, climate scientists, these great noble people who want to tell us all the truth, you know, to save us. Yeah. If you believe in the nobility of academia, you've been sucked in. I was sucked in by that as well. And I probably did spend way too long at university, to tell you the truth. I think I should have just finished. I got that one degree and I should have just got the hell out of there. But I stayed for a few years longer than I should have. But... The advantage of that is that I had I was there long enough to become a bit more skeptical of it while I was still there, and this is another thing you have to understand. A lot of you have been to college, so none of this is new to you. But for those of you who haven't been to college or university, most people who were there fully believe in it. Okay, they might think oh it's too expensive, or they might think oh those 
those um, feminist students, those gender studies students, that's not real academia. But most of the people who are there fundamentally believe in the academic institution, okay? Which makes total sense when you're in it. But when you're out of it, it's no different to any other, and I don't want to use the word cult because that's, that's too strong a word, but any other organization that depends on, on mass belief, people believe in their part of something special, they know truths that the outsiders don't know, they're fortunate to be there, they're now part of a tradition, all these things, that happens in academia. People overlooking the problems, okay? The problem with peer-reviewed science, that's not some secret that I'm telling you. Everyone knows it. The, the reproducibility crisis, the fact that if you try and reproduce a lot of these so-called scientific studies, they can't be reproduced. People know about that, man. People who are doing uh, post-grad study, they know about this, a lot of them. It's not, it's not secret. But when you're in the institution, you're not you know, shouting from the rooftop, hey, guys, this is all bullshit, because you're in it. You're invested emotionally, financially, psychologically. Yeah, Your career is invested in it as well, isn't it? Part of the financial investment, so it's it's like it's like any other sort of uh, or you know hierarchical organisation where you know people people depend on it, they believe in it, they force themselves to believe in it. You know, Orwell spoke a lot about the ability of people to to believe what they have to believe, even if that means believing two contradictory things at the same time. Double think, yeah, this is this is part of academia, and uh, and yeah, so I think that's what. I think that's partly what Jadeiro is, is referring to here. The warrior souls have long battled religionists. Those are our friends, the, the lad motorcyclist. Let's try this again. <clears throat> the warrior souls have long battled religionists only to wrest control of the university and the social arena from God talk and letting science have the free reign. These enlightened ones are the true Promethean heroes who distilled the superstition of the Middle Ages and brought about the dawning of a new age of evolutionary progress into computers, cell phones, and the Xbox. So again, I think what, what Jadar is talking about is, so far what he's talking about is, I, I, I agree with it, the, the sentiments that he's sharing, are, I'm totally with him. You know, he's basically saying that they've allowed people to put, think that they're using reason and science to dismiss talk about the divine now he he uses god talk i personally try not to even use the word god but this i and that's just that's just me i'm not criticizing him this idea that there is something bigger than, than the material okay oh science can empirically investigate this microphone right that's great you know you can see it you can touch it you can smell it you could probably taste it if you wanted to try it i wouldn't recommend it right we can drop it we can measure how long it takes to drop we can make predictions about it right we can study the 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 circuitry on the inside and copy the circuitry and do it again, okay? Science is very useful useful for all of that. But is there more to this experience of this world than just the, the physical material and the science or the logic that we apply to? Is there more? For a long time, I would have said, no, that's not the place of, like, that shouldn't be in university, that's for theologians or whatever. But, uh, but maybe there is something much bigger than us going on, yeah. Yeah, I'm 32 years old now, and, and for a little while, for quite a while, I've I've been of this opinion that actually maybe there really is something much bigger going on that isn't necessarily accessible via the scientific method or via raw logic. Maybe there's something bigger going on, and I think that's kind of what Jadai is getting at here. Let me read one more paragraph from the start. Before I do, let's go to the live chat, and uh, thank you for bearing with me with my voice here. I'm doing my best. Let's see what else have we got here. In the live chat, 
We have Hitler says, My kids get bombarded with space and dino propaganda in school. Yeah, I've been pointing out for years now, it is space and dinosaurs. If you walk into an ABC store in Australia, an ABC store is oftentimes targeted at children. It might even be called ABC Kids, a lot of these stores. It's space and dinosaurs, space and dinosaurs, space and dinosaurs, right? Which is why for a while there I wanted to do like a, a satirical series, uh, Dino Nukes in Space. Yeah, oh, nukes aren't really part of the ABC Kids programming, it's dinosaurs in space, but it's probably the nuclear element, why the hell not? And, and maybe, the, maybe the dinosaurs fly around in nuclear-powered spaceships or something, but this is what it's all about. Training kids to believe in these ancient monsters and training them to believe in outer space. And Because you can't make the whole force them to believe in human evolution too obvious. It's not just jet anyway. But uh, dinosaurs, oh, that's totally harmless. And space, yeah, totally, man. There's asteroids out there flying around, yeah. All part of the same uh, fundamental conditioning. Replacing the, the creation stories that religion used to offer with a new religious set of creation stories. So once upon a time, God created Earth in, what, six days and then rested on the seventh or something like this? Now, uh, no, just, just bang, just came into existence. Yeah, billions of years ago, man. The scientists have, have done some calculations and they've taken some samples and, yeah, about six billion years ago, we think, you know, or seven billion or eight billion. It doesn't matter what they say. The lemming masses will, will lap it up. They love it. And what else? Oh, well, humans in particular... Uh, well, there were dinosaurs tens of millions of years ago. These giant creatures used to walk around, and, and we've got fossils of them. You know, come and check this out. And and then somehow humans, uh, you know, bacteria, <clears throat> you know, lightning or something. And then, you know what I mean, over millions, it took millions of years. Though, so, you know, you're not going to be able to see this happen again because it took millions of years, and you, and you only live for, for eighty or ninety or whatever. But um, but trust us, it happens over over millions of years. Humans, you know, same as the dinosaurs. Well, what happens to the dinosaurs? Oh, well, that's the best part, you see. Remember how we told you this place called Outer Space? Well, guess what? Sometimes giant rocks come from outer space and they kill everything. So so, so there were these dinosaurs and, and they were walking around and they were ruling the roost and they were having a great time. But then, yeah, you know, just like in Deep Impact and Armageddon wiped everything out. And, and that, but, but the upside, the upshot to this was now there was space for a new, a new top dog. And, uh, and that's what humans eventually became. And that's how we're here today. So you can see the science gives creation myths as well. And people want creation myths. People want stories about where they're from and why they're here. Why are we here? Oh, we evolved to, uh, to procreate, basically. Basically to pass on our genes. That's, that's what we're here for. That's the purpose. Yeah. Some people don't like that creation story. They prefer the, the Bible or whatever version of the Bible their particular church is, is pushing. Oh, well, we're here to, to what exactly pretty much procreate again from what I understand it's the same idea you're here to to raise a family is it that, that's that's yeah it, it's funny how much of an overlap there is between some of these creation stories you know what they actually lead to or so what am I here for again oh to procreate basically oh, okay alright marry and reproduce let's have a look am I still alive am I still on I think so yeah I think so are we still on let me know in the live chat Otherwise, I'll just keep talking. Started streaming 60 minutes ago. Holy crap. Are we still on? I'm not going to keep talking until someone in live chat lets me know that we're still on. Sorry for the dead air here. Are we on? This is the problem, guys. The, the CIA, man. Keep telling them. Need to give me a producer. Can't do it all by myself. I mean, I can, but the, the, 
the quality goes down. Need a producer. Give me a producer. Yeah, he's still on. All right, thank you, Lee Harvey. I appreciate it. So where was I? Oh, yeah, creation stories. People need creation stories. People need a story of where they're, where they're from and why they're here. And uh, Humans need this. And I think both religion, organized religion, and new religion, or as it likes to call itself, science, same thing, giving people their, their stories, their creation stories. So let's go back. Let's look at one more paragraph here. And then, like I said, you can go and check this out. There's a link to this article in the info box below. Jay then says, do you notice that this is starting to look like a religious mythology? He's referring to science, of course. There is a narrative developing, you see, that encompasses past, present, and future, and the fittest, namely those who have sufficiently mastered this reductionist quantification of all reality, press on to inherit the future. But wait, comes the cry from the army, the army rather, of lab coats. You now reveal yourself as a Luddite, Nietzschean postmodernist... Horkheimer Adormist. You are refuted by the very computer you type on. How often do we hear this kind of nonsense too? This is what Jay's referring to. He's referring to how if you try to question science, you'll get someone saying, oh, but science gave you that laptop, mate. If it weren't for science, you wouldn't have that laptop. So how can you doubt them when they say they went to space? Right? I'm sure you guys have heard a similar thing. Right? Yeah. You've got a computer, so anything science says must be true. How could you doubt that? Uh, let's see. Uh, carrying on with this, uh, this paragraph then. Jay says, I say no such thing. I reject the mythology of the Enlightenment just as much as what I believe to be the false mythology of the postmodernists, Marxists and existentialists. Oh, he rejects existentialists. That's interesting. I still hold to the rationality of religious revelation and tradition, but that is another argument. For now, we are examining whether it is rational to take our doubting to a deeper degree than the Enlightenment thinker above did. He doubted his religious views of youth and so adopted what he saw as a freeing scientific worldview. This then inducted him so he would think into the glorious association of the commune of saints of science and lab-coded genii. But wait, the foundation of all this is the scientific method. This great building block of all modernity is now what grounds our many theories upon a certain and firm basis, trial and error, which then confirms our theories or conversely falsifies them. So I'll just scan through this quickly, the scientific method. Talks about some dude called Godel, Thomas Kuhn, revolutions in science occur, paradigm shifts, DNA... Do you guys believe in DNA? Like, do you actually believe they have a sequence? They've sequenced a genome and they can... Do you believe in all of that? I used to. These days, I mean, it's... Look, who knows? Who knows, man? What else have we got here? Tesla. What does he say about the genius of Tesla? There is no special relationship to the genius of Tesla. This is... It, what I'm saying here is not a criticism of, um, of Jay Dyer. It's just the fact that he mentions Tesla. Some of you guys might not be aware that Tesla is a hoax. He never existed. Ever. In real life. I know that's hard to believe. It's like, what? Of course he did. We've got these movies about him. He's got all these inventions. Yeah, that's what I used to think. Until I look into it. Objectively. Put aside what I thought I knew and just looked at it objectively. You think he's written all these books? No, he hasn't. People have published books under his name, but they weren't published when he was supposedly alive. 
He died in the 1940s. You won't find any video footage of him. You'll find several photos of him, but it's the same photos that have just been copied and, and flipped. And it's the same. There's like three or four photos of Tesla. That's it. And, and again, he died in the 1940s. Now, you might say, oh, well, people didn't have smartphones back then. No, but they did have cameras and they had video cameras as well. There were films, right? Like they, they were able to take photos and to take footage, film footage. The movie The Wizard of Oz came out. The Wizard of Oz, yeah, Judy Garland. That came out before Tesla supposedly died, right? So this idea, oh, they didn't have footage because they couldn't. Yes, they could. And he wasn't just any person. He was supposedly this great inventor. Of all people that you would think would be, be captured on these great inventions, like um, video cameras and, and cameras and this kind of thing, you'd think a great inventor would be up there, wouldn't you? No footage of him. Why is that? Why didn't he release any books when he was alive? Why, if you try and look into his articles that he supposedly wrote, do you find that they were printed, many of them, in the Electrical Experimenter? Yeah? Ever heard of the Hugo Awards? The Hugo Awards are the, the yearly awards given out for science fiction. Yeah, science fiction books and this kind of thing. They're named after a guy called Hugo Gernsback, right? He was a publisher back in the day. It was his electrical experimenter where all of these articles by this great inventor, Nikola Tesla, were published. Yeah. So, but, but that was like a, that was like a fiction magazine, right? They didn't have TV the way that we do. How were they entertained by these fictional magazines? That's where, that's the kind of stuff that Tesla was getting published in. Yeah, like. The electrical experimenter. If you think if you think science today is bad, and obviously I do, you should see how it was 80 years ago. It was just magazine crap, right? Oh, but this great inventor tells all these stories, and then if you read those articles, which I did, like when I talk about research, is what I'm talking about. Actually reading this stuff, sitting there, takes hours. Like, what did this guy actually supposedly write? Let me track down the original source. What's in there? Oh, I see. Uh, old mate Tesla claimed go to. Do you think Tesla was communicating with Martians? Come on. Please. And then once you understand that outer space is a hoax, there is no Mars that you can communicate with. It's just a light in the sky. Once you understand that, it becomes even more ridiculous, doesn't it? So, so Tesla's a hoax, I'm afraid. I know this is very bad news for a lot of people. Look, I don't like, I don't like bursting people's uh, myths. The thing is, as the world's leading skeptic, this is just part of my job. And it's not like you're watching this stream or you're listening to this. Like, that's a choice that you made. Right, I, I don't. If if there was a great Tesla live stream, I wouldn't go to this live stream and be like, "Ha ha, you guys all believe in Tesla," but he's like, "No, let them have it, man. They they love Tesla. They want to believe in Tesla. Let them have it. That's great." But but me, if I'm doing a live stream and the topic of Tesla comes up, you do know that Tesla's a hoax, right? You do know this, surely. <clears throat> you have worked this out by now for yourself, surely. Come on, Tesla hoax, please. Anyway, let's look at the last uh, paragraph, because the, the idea when you write essays is, and you guys all know this, most of you know this, you start off with the basic ideas, you, you cover them, and then you summarize, is, is the typical format for writing articles and essays and this kind of thing. So let's look at the last uh, paragraph of uh, Jay Dyer's work here. He says, what becomes evident upon analysis of this debate is that the disbelief of secret and suppressed technology is rejected and not pursued before any evidence has been presented. Uh, and, and that's a fair thing. What I'm saying is, what evidence? That's that's all I'm saying. To examine the evidence could lead to a shifting of paradigms or worldviews, and one thing humans hate is being wrong. Yes, we do. Again, isn't that why we rejected the medieval Aristotelianism? Does that mean reason is never attained? Of course not. 
but it is certainly not attained by the masses and often unattained by those who loudest proclaim they are rational scientists. Scientific knowledge of human patterns of behavior should make this obvious. Fair enough. So if you want to read the rest of this from Jada, I just go to jaysanalysis.com. There's a link in the info box below. You can read the entire article and you'll get way more from it reading it for yourself than listening to me read it and interject with my thoughts. So go and check that out. So like I said, the reason I wanted to do this, uh, this stream tonight was because someone on my website, a member of my website, left a comment saying that he'd read this piece and he had certain opinions on it. Then somebody else replied and I was like, this seems interesting. And where they left the comments was on my piece. Let's take a look at this. Where are we? The practice of skepticism. So this is a piece that I wrote back in August of last year. Now, it's already 12.40 my time, so I was kind of, pardon me, hoping to be finished this by by now, but, um, but we're still here, so... I might race through this really quickly. Uh, and if you want to read this in full, just go to johnlebon.com. There is a link to this particular piece in the info box below. Let me remind you too that if you're interested in my thoughts on Jay Dyer, esoteric Hollywood, film analysis, and these kinds of things, make sure you join the mailing list. It's completely free at johnlebon.com. Just go to the main page, any page, doesn't matter. On the right-hand side, you'll see the mailing list. Click here, and it's completely free. It doesn't cost a cent. And I keep trying to send out two like I'd like to send out two emails a month. It's more like I think maybe I've sent out seven or eight emails uh, this year. So it's I'm definitely not, not going to spam your inbox. But what I will try and do is send out a couple of emails a month with content that is usually just for the members. But I'll make it available to the mailing list for you as well. And the main benefit of me having a mailing list is that if I get deleted on YouTube again, see I've got five seventy subs. They used to be seven thousand. And what I should have had in place was a mailing list so that once I got deleted for my first channel, which, you know, it, there was always a chance that would happen, I should have had a mailing list so that I could then just send out an email saying, hey guys, got deleted, here's my new channel, right? But I hadn't done that, I hadn't built up a mailing list. So I've basically had to restart this uh, this channel from scratch. So um, if I have a mailing list and I keep keep sending emails every couple of weeks, keep people subscribed then what I can do is, when I need to, send out an email saying, hey guys, got deleted again, here's my new channel, you know. But but hopefully I won't get deleted with this channel. Like, I'm not going to talk about Sandy Hook, for instance. As long as, I, as long as you avoid talking about that event, you should be right. But previous channel, I couldn't help myself, and I spoke about that event, which I'm, I'm trying not to even name by name. So, anyway. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, Jade Iyer, I'll send, it out, send out this link to this um, this podcast about Jade Iyer, Esoteric Hollywood, and all the other things. It was myself chatting with Chad, and he's a member of JohnTheBond.com, one of the original crew, as I call them. And it was a two-hour chat. And what did we talk about in that particular call? Let me just get this up. We spoke about what is the relationship between consensus reality and the silver screen? Would an intelligent man believe that the experts can determine a piece of toast to be 14,000 years old? Yeah, we looked at a news story claiming that experts had found a 14,000-year-old piece of toast. <coughs> this is the kind of stuff that you'll read that scientists are claiming that they can date a piece of toast to 14,000 years. This is the kind of stuff that you will read and most people believe. Oh, what's well, the experts? They wouldn't lie. I mean, they gave you this computer, didn't they? They gave you your smartphone. Yeah, so how can you doubt that they can, da- they can date a piece of toast to 14,000 years. How could you date such, how could you doubt such a thing? Yeah. 
that's that's the world we live in. Is the moon landing hoax a red herring? Yeah, so a lot of people will waste time arguing, oh, moon landing hoax, is it real, is it a hoax? That photo can't be real because blah, blah. Oh, no, that photo could be real because of this and blah, blah, blah. Is it possible that that is all just a red herring? Okay. Like, the, the fact that you've got people arguing, is it possible that the moon lands are a hoax? Well, the moon itself is a hoax. It's not a real place. Okay. The, the idea that you have in your mind of the moon, that is a hoax. That's not real. So the idea that you could have a moon landing there, it's, it's absurd from the outset. Why even argue, oh, it could be, no, it can't be real. Because the, the moon can't be landed on. It's not a real place. But if you can get people spending 50 years, it's 2019 now. And the moon landings were 1969. So that's 50 years. And when did all the first, uh, what was that, what was that French dude's name who released his book? Was it 1970s? I mean, the conspiracy theories about the moon landings were, were coming out pretty quickly. You know, within the first few years. Possibly even sooner than that. Possibly when it was happening. But certainly within a few years, you had people, uh, promulgating these conspiracy theories. So we've had decades and decades of people arguing about, oh, well, you know, if, if the moon was like this, could you land there and, and then take a photo like this and the angles? and oh, It's like, what are you talking about? You're buying into the idea that there could be a realistic moon landing. No, there couldn't. There is no moon to land on, okay? If I told you there was a planet called John Labonia, yeah? It's, it's in between, it's in between uh, Saturn and whatever's after Saturn, yeah? Yeah. You'd be like, well, that's just silly. And I'm like, no, no. You can land... I think they landed something there. Let's look at the photos and see if the photos are legitimate, right? Is this photo... Here's the photos from the landing of John Labonia. You'd be like, dude, there is no John Labonia. So so any of these photos that you're showing me can't be real from the outset, from the get-go. Can't be real. Because there is no planet called John Labonia. No one's ever been there. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt. This is ridiculous, is what you'd say. Well, that's what I'm saying about the moon. Okay, there is no moon that you can land on. There's a light in the sky that we call the moon, but you can't land there. So this idea of arguing about the photos, that's ridiculous. So that's something that we discuss in this particular call. The normies may be a lost cause, but are the conspiratards faring any better? Because the way I see it, you've got the normies who believe TV. Oh, another bombing in another airport. Oh, that's horrible. All right, that's the normies. They believe this crap. Then you've got the conspiratards who are like, oh, it's an inside job. It's the government killing its own people, right? It's, they're just two sides of the same coin, as far as I'm concerned. Whereas if you're a skeptic, you're like, maybe someone died, but what's my evidence? A news story? That's not evidence. That's just a story. Is that all I've got? Oh, I'll just dismiss it out of hand. It's ridiculous. All right? So, yeah, so we talk about, is it, you know, uh, are the conspirators doing any better than the normies? I don't think so. So, uh, so I had Chad, Chad the Natufian, the 33rd degree initiate of the Sacred Order of the Natufians joined me for that call and like I said two hours so I'll send a, a full link to that to the mailing list in the next few days and if you want access to that just go to the mailing list click here sign up very easy bada bing bada bang bada boom thank you very much alrighty so now let's take a look at the practice of skepticism before we do let's just check the live chat 1717 says we sleep they live no sorry his name is 1717 we sleep they live he says carbon dating is just more dogma Okay, carbon dating. Is there some way that I can verify the carbon dates? Is there? I'm not aware of it. Can I go, okay guys, uh, I'm going to test to see how legitimate your carbon dating is. Here's something that I already know the age of. Give it to you to see how... No, 
No. And then take a step back and think about this more logically. How would you go about calibrating a carbon dating device or method? Okay. Think about this logically. If, if, if you have a, a car a speedometer that tells you how fast you're traveling, there are ways that you can calibrate that. Okay. You can measure a distance, determine how long it should take you to travel that distance at a certain speed, travel that distance, measure it, do the math. Very simple. How do you do that? How do you do that with... Uh, or you can calibrate, say, um, a volume. You want to see if there's really two liters uh, or let's say a, a gallon. Let's just say a gallon. You want to see if this particular thing holds a gallon. All right. You can work out how much volume a gallon should be, all right, independently of that, and then calibrate your gallon uh, vessel. Yeah. How can you do that with carbon dating? Right. What, what is the objective thing, the thing that you know objectively... Like, what is the control to measure your carbon dating, right? How can you know that something else... This is definitely 5,000 years old, right? And, and carbon dating, radiometric dating, right? Carbon dating is one kind of radiometric dating, but radiometric dating in general. How can you say, we know this thing is 5,000, this thing is 10,000 years old, and now we're going to check with this device, right? Give it to this lab. They can use their device or their method or whatever, and then check to see... There is no objective. There is no control. Is there? Think about it. This is obvious. It's so obvious that when you think about it, you're like, like when, you, when it actually hits you, you're like, yeah. And then you're going to say, well, what's the official story, JLB? Surely you've looked into the, Yeah, I've looked into the official story. It's all circular, right? Oh, well, th- this is this old because this rock is that old. Okay, how come you know that that rock is that old? Oh, because we had it dated by these guys. And it's, Okay, but that, what's the control? There is no control. Okay, there is none. Period. The closest you'll get is this thing called dendrochronology, where they can supposedly use the rings in trees to determine how old a tree is, right? Because supposedly the trees grow at different speeds in different weather or different seasons. So you can kind of match, kind of like fingerprints. If you cut this big log in, into a piece, you can look at the rings and then go, oh, well, you know, four small rings and then three medium and then one large, three medium... That, that, that will tell us about the weather of, of that period of time, then you match it up with this other tree, and then you match, match it up with this other tree, and then by looking at the overlaps, you can go back so many hundreds of years, right, through dendrochronology. Okay, that's great. Let's take that on face value. That's fantastic. Do they have a 5,000-year-old tree? Do you really believe that? Seriously? Like, when you first hear these kinds of stories, if I was to try and tell you they have a 5,000-year-old tree, would you believe that? Oh, I don't think you would. So who's going and checking this stuff? Who's going and checking to see what is the actual story? Well, this is what I try and encourage people to do. It's like, well, I've gone and listened to the official story. I could try and convey to you what I think the official story is, but what's the point of that? Why don't you go and check it out and, and see for yourself what the story is? It's, it's, uh, it's full on, you know, especially for people like me who went to university and who thought I was so intelligent, thought I was so smart, yeah. To, to see just how ridiculous this story is once you actually start evaluating it. Yeah, it's full on, man. And most people are far too proud to ever even entertain these possibilities. And so what that means is that people like me, we're going to seem crazy. Like, look at that crazy guy, man. This crazy guy who went to university and now he's saying that dinosaurs are a hoax, human evolution is a hoax, war is a hoax, history is a hoax, Nikola Tesla is a hoax, the Titanic never existed ancient Egypt never existed 
Who is this guy? Who, what, like, what, this guy's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. To, to most people, even most conspiracy theorists, I'm going to seem crazy. And this comes with its problems, but also with its benefits. One of the benefits is, hey, I run a website where I make money talking about these things, right? That's not to say that all the members agree with me about all of my opinions. Many of them don't necessarily agree, but at least they know they can come and talk to me and whatever they have to say, I'm not going to say, well, that's completely crazy. We can't talk about that because look at my opinions. Clearly, I'm willing to discuss crazy things, yeah? And so I get to to travel to Saigon or Hanoi or Bangkok or Kuala Lumpur or who knows where's next. Probably Chiang Mai is next. And then maybe Eastern Europe. I'd love to go and check out Eastern Europe. I'd love to go to Bulgaria, Poland, maybe Romania. Yeah. Maybe uh, Mexico. I'd love to go to Mexico. I'd love to go to South America, learn some Spanish. I'm seriously thinking about going to Argentina because they're, they're, um, their currency has completely tanked. So it's, it's within my budget now to go there. So I'm thinking of going to, uh, to Argentina. So, I mean, there's all these options for me now. And I don't like being the crazy guy. I don't. And I don't like being the guy who pisses off the other conspiracy theorists. And I, I don't like being the guy who, you know, makes people... Most people will never agree with me about Tesla. But the intelligent ones who believe in Tesla, it's going to be unsettling for them hearing what I'm saying. They can close the laptop, they can forget they ever heard me, and tomorrow this never happened, basically. But for the, for the period where they're hearing me explain these things, the intelligent ones are like, they, they can see there's a problem. I don't enjoy doing that to people, you know. I don't enjoy being the crazy guy among people in real life. I don't enjoy being the heretic among conspiracy theorists. None of, none of that's enjoyable at all, you know. Or, or even just when, when I meet people, they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I run a website and blah, blah, blah. If they ask enough questions, I will tell them what I do. I, I don't like I don't like the people who look up my channel and then they're like, what, you don't believe in dinosaurs? And then, you know, none of that is good. I, I don't enjoy any of that. But on the upside... Hey, I get to run a website where I get to talk about whatever I want. And even the people who disagree with me, even the members who disagree with me, that they still enjoy having a conversation, leaving comments, uh, getting into, into what we think we know, you know, that that's pretty cool. And I can do this, yeah, anywhere in the world. And, uh, I get to have this apartment and I get to stay up until one o'clock in the morning doing reviews of people like Jay Dyer and his essays. And yeah, that's a cool thing. So, so there's, there's two, you know, you have to look at the, the pros and the cons. You know, if I could go back uh, five or six years, uh, I'd, I'd have so much to say to the younger version of me. One of the main things would probably be, look, d- do all the research you want. Just find a, find a good cover story. Yeah, find a good... Tell people that you run a philosophy club or tell people that you uh, teach philosophy on the internet or something like this. That I think it'd be much more sensible than just coming out like this and telling people dinosaurs—they never existed, man. The the media impacts or the asteroid impact that that wiped out the dinosaurs—that's physically impossible because space is a hoax. It's not real. Okay, you watch too much Star Trek, Star Wars. That's not real. You know what I mean? Hey, being being this forthright about it, you know, comes with its downsides. I'm afraid, but but like I said, you've got to weigh the good and the bad, don't you? Uh, Joe M in the live chat says, Carp- this is uh, from the live chat, by the way, it says, carbon dating kind of does have a reference, I think, because it is the rate at which the isotopes decay or something. 
But I agree, it is not accurate. I've heard of living things being dated at 6,000 years. Yeah, the rate at which the isotopes decay or something is the story. I think that might be rain in the background. Hopefully it's not coming through too loud. Yeah. The rate at which the isotopes decay or something. Yeah, because supposedly what they can do is they can take this sample and they can determine what is the ratio of C14 to C15 or something like this, right? What is the ratio of argon whatever to calcium whatever or whatever, right? And supposedly they know what it was 6,000 years ago. For them to know that, you would still have to have a reference point, wouldn't you? Like you would still have to know what it was 6,000 years ago. No, that's extrapolated. That's extrapolated. Well, the change between now and 30 years ago, or the change between now and 100 years ago, oh, so because of that, we can extrapolate. It's like, okay, so you're extrapolating what? 98% of, of, of that period of time? 99% of that period of time? And then that's an assumption that you're willing to go. So you're willing to take this fundamental assumption and base everything else on top of that? Really? That's, that's science, is it? Okay. And that's the story. And that's if you take on face value that they can even determine the ratio of isotopes, right? Which, personally, me, I find even that questionable. Very questionable. But let's give them that. Let's say, no, no, you can. Give them this thing and they can determine the ratio of the isotopes. It's like, okay. But they still... How do they get that reference point for 5,000, 10,000 years ago? And how do they know that this particular sample has been decaying at that rate the whole time? How do we know that there wasn't some event 500 years ago and in this particular area where the rock was, it got a whole blast of this new uh, ratio of, of isotopes, right? How, do you, how would you know? How the hell would you know that? It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. But that's the story. That's how it is. 1717 We Sleep They Live says, I woke up when I gave up television. Nobody is exempt from the alpha waves TV creates. Advertising symbology works. Esotechnology of this creates a reality we buy into. Yeah, that's the thing with television. I know so many people who think they're awake, but they still watch hours of Netflix a day. And it's like, well, look, if you enjoy it, don't stop, but just don't, don't, don't kid yourself that you're not being programmed. Of course you are. Of course you are being programmed. And not just by the advertising, by the TV shows themselves. You know? Like Game of Thrones, I've never seen it, but I've heard there's incest in there. I mean, look, what, 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 what do I know about, about Game of Thrones? The point is, whatever's happening there, going into your brain. But, you know, then again, some people don't think that incest is bad. I read, just yesterday, I was reading, uh, it was like, um, you know, Quora, Quora.com, where people ask questions of things. I read a reply that someone had left, and I, I clicked on her profile. And then I was going through her profile and she was leaving comments to all different kinds of, of things. And I read her making a case for incest being okay. And I don't think she was joking because a few replies down, she replied to someone else about a different question. And so I was fascinated. So I kept reading and reading and, and yeah, like, uh, off, like several times in different, different areas, she, she basically argued for incest, uh, being okay which a lot of people will find reprehensible, but then it's like, well, is gay sex okay? Most people say, yeah, why not? Is um, is non-procreative sex between a male and a female okay? Most people say, yeah. Well, then, if, if, uh, if there's no chance of a, of a baby being born because um, 
child, what's it called, birth control, birth control. Because birth control is being used, and there's no chance of a child being born, why should incest be so bad, right? And uh, if you get into philosophy and this idea of ethics, you know, ethics is the field of philosophy concerned with what is okay, you know, and, and ethics and morality, for me, the difference is morality is premised on the idea that there's an objective right and wrong. Whereas ethics is like, well, what's right and wrong for society, for the individual, for the community, etc. You can set your own uh, boundaries, yeah? So whether you want to talk about morality... I mean, morality, if you think the book tells you something, you can just say that's right or that's wrong. That's why it's... That's probably the main reason why I don't even find uh, philosophical conversations about morality interesting, because it's like, well, what's in the book? Where does your morality come from? The book? Oh, there you go. There's, There's your answers. Interpret it however you want. Whereas ethics, you can say, well, let's start from the start. What is right? What's wrong? If, if you get into some of these philosophical questions of ethics, what is acceptable behavior, a lot of what you think you know about right and wrong, if you're being objective, will be challenged. It will be. And so, yeah, if, if you're cool with non-procreative sex between a man and a woman or a man and a man, why does it matter if that man and woman are from the same family? And a lot of people, it's the yucky factor, like, Ugh, I don't want to have sex with my family. It's like, well, that's fine. Don't then. Most of us don't want to do that. But if there are some people out there who do, why should that why should that be illegal or why should we think that's wrong? Or why if we were in charge of the tribe would we want to boot them out? That's what we've all been trained to think. But is it really wrong? You know what I mean? The, the, you know, philosophy, if you want to do it properly, it, you will have to challenge a lot of what you think you know about right and wrong. Now, as for me personally, what's my opinion on that topic? I'd have to sit down and, and think through it again, to be perfectly honest. But at this point in time, uh, yeah, gay sex, non-procreative sex, um, self-pleasure, incestual sex. What? How does it affect me? You know, if other people are doing that, how does it affect me, right? I used to believe, for instance, I used to believe that porn was healthy. Oh, yeah, uh, watch porn, jerk off, it's good for your prostate. Yeah, I used to believe all that crap. I don't believe that anymore. I do not believe that anymore. I think porn should be treated like a drug. Yeah, I think sex should be treated like a drug. I think people get addicted to it. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are in such a terrible relationships. They're addicted to the sex. And, and not just the sex as in the actual intercourse, just the feeling that you get when you're hugging somebody or they're hugging you or even just um, the feelings people get from being in public with their partner. It has an effect on us, I think, physiologically. And I think a lot of people are addicted to that. Uh, physiologically and psychologically and and this addiction leads to them putting themselves in bad situations over and over and over again and, and so especially when it comes to sex very powerful it has an effect on you addictive and so it is with porn and um, self-pleasure and all these things yeah it's not healthy to do it every day no I don't think so I do not think so porn especially no uh, is it evil I don't think so is it necessarily bad for you well, it's like a drug. Is a drug necessarily bad for you? If you're only doing it once every now and then, maybe not. But definitely not something you'd be doing every day, right? But do you hear me talking about that very often on my channel? No. Do I talk about that very often on my website? No. Because if there's people on the website who who do that every day, well, how's that my business? It's not my business. And I can't prove to them for a fact that it's wrong. Can I? I can't prove to them for a fact that it's bad for them. What I can do at least is is say every now and then, well, who told us it's good for us to to watch images on a screen, fake images on a screen, and uh, 
and play with ourselves watching that. Who told us that's healthy? Oh, school did, did it. School did for me. Is it, is it worth reevaluating who might have been behind something? And why is all the porn so free? Why is it? Why is there so much free porn out there? Who's behind that? What's the agenda? Hmm? What's the agenda behind that? Think about it. So, uh, so yeah, so I first heard about NoFap. Mm, probably 2013. I had a friend who told me about it. I thought he was crazy. In fact, I mocked him when he was telling me about this. It's like, that's crazy, man, blah, blah, blah. But, but eventually I tried it. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of things that might sound crazy that I'm willing to try. Same with intermittent fasting. When I first heard about intermittent fasting, I'm like, that's crazy. Tried it. I liked it. Let's stand in the background. I don't know if that's a girl crying or laughing. Could be either. Could be... Look, Vietnam, man. No, I think, I think she's laughing. I think they're having fun out there. Yeah, Vietnam, man. Crazy country. Uh, the gender dynamics are very different here to what we're familiar with in the in the West, if I can just put it like that. Or at least in the Five Eyes nations, the, the British-derived uh, countries, where, where a lot of men are getting abused by their, their so-called wives and girlfriends often. <clears throat> and then and they're trained to believe that they're still the evil ones. You know, I mean, men, men, men are the abusive ones, even though they're ones getting abused physically and mentally. Then you come to a country like Vietnam where it's just a very different dynamic. And hey, I'm a visitor. I'm just a guest. I come here, I get a three-month visa. Three months are up, I'm out of here. I'm not here to judge anybody. Just here to take it all in and just to go with the flow, Yeah. But yeah, I don't think she was, I don't think that noise heard in the background was a girl crying, but we live in a country where if a girl speaks out of turn, she might be reminded who's boss. That's how they are here. And of course, a lot of people watching this will be like, Joby, why are you smirking? Like, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, in our countries, it's horrible. And look how happy our women are. They're all on antidepressants. They're all on anti-anxiety medication. They're all depressed as shit. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, Feminism has been such a wonderful thing for women in Australia. And look how look how happy they all are. Man, they're depressed as shit. Mind you, so are most of the men too. All of this progressivism. Oh yeah, what, what a wonderful boon it's been. Yeah? Whereas in Vietnam, on the TV you'll just see part of the story, girl speaks out of turn, she's reminded who's boss, and the family goes <laughs> the family goes back back to business and, and everybody's uh, everybody's happy. And look, I don't know if the people here are happy or not. It's very difficult for me to, to tell. But they definitely seem happier. The couples seem happier than the couples in Australia. I remember in, there was one particular instance, and I'm not trying to say that one instance proves a case. But I remember in Brisbane, I was walking... I think I was going to a cafe to have coffee with a mate. And we were, he, I, and then a couple of other mates were all meeting out for coffee. And this other mate of mine, at the time, he was a, a single man. And at the time, I was in a, a long-term... Um, uh, neither of us was committed to uh, a wife or anything like that and both of us were young enough to be thinking well what, what is the best way to, to live our lives you know and he and I were both discussing this idea that a lot of men uh, even men even even attractive men like way more attractive than me end up with women who end up being bad news for them right and, and we're anyway, having this kind of conversation. Anyway, this same friend and I, as we're walking to the cafe, what do we see? This cute-ass dude, right? Like, most women would agree, this guy's cute. Most men who know aesthetics would say, this guy's cute, right? He's, he's pushing a pram. 
and he's getting abused by this woman who you would infer is his uh, baby mama, you would, you would infer is his uh, girlfriend or fiance or wife. Like, he's getting abused publicly, man. This is daytime. Pushing the pram. This would have been a Sunday too because like, it would have been a Saturday or a Sunday because cause at that time of day, otherwise we'd be at work. So on a weekend in beautiful Brisbane, the sun's out, pushing the pram, and he's getting abused by his, by this lady, by his baby mama in public. Right? And it's just, you know, sometimes you might be thinking about something or talking about something and then you see a sign and it's almost like a confirmation, like something something bigger than you is putting that sign there to say, yep, you're on the right path, boys. And this, like I said, this, this dude was a cute dude, man. Like, this idea that... Because, you know, a lot of the, the MGTOW crowd, they're, they're very bitter and jaded, right? They've learnt about the so-called 80-20 rule, which is really more like 97-3 or 98-2, okay? And most men, including me, we're in the 97 or the 98, okay? We're practically invisible. And a lot of guys, when they learn that, understandably, they get very bitter, very jaded, and they, they, uh, they start venting. And they start hating people who are not responsible for it, okay? Women today are not responsible for the system and they're not responsible for their own nature, okay? They're responsible for their own actions as an individual, at least to a degree. But why hate on... Why why hate on the Chads? Why hate on the Stacys? Why hate on anybody, okay? It is what it is, yeah? It is what it is. And... Yeah, so, so a lot of these uh, MGTOW dudes seem to be under this false impression that, oh, the Chads, man, you know, they've got it too easy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you can be a Chad, and then the moment you get married and there's a power imbalance, you'd want to hope this is a very good lady who's been raised in a good house. Because if she's not, that power is going to become her abusing the guy in our countries. That's just how it is, and we all know it. I mean, most of us know it. Some of us want to deny it, but it's the truth. And then you come to a country like this where... Hmm. Doesn't work that way. And, uh, yeah, it's a real, oof, wow. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like stepping back in time, but, but also kind of like stepping into the future. Do you remember when you were young? Remember when you were young and you thought of the future as this beautiful place, like a utopia? Like you, when you're young, most of us, certainly me, we have this idea that the future is going to be better. Things are going to get better in the future. You know, we're, we're building towards a better future. And then as you learn certain things, you realize actually it's, <clears throat> in some ways, it's, it's the opposite of that. It's, you know, in some ways. And then you come to a place like this and you see some things and you talk to this person, you ask this person their opinion, you learn, you hear, you see, you're like, oh, I see. Oh, okay, very different, very different uh, setup that you've got going on here. I understand. Yeah, and it's kind of like, kind of like stepping into the past, but kind of like stepping into into the post-reset future. But of course, there will be no reset. That's not going to happen. If you want to know what's going to happen, read Brave New World. It's all in there. What's happening in the West, it's all in Brave New World. It's all there. It's all clear as day. Exactly where we're headed. But um, but yeah, I'll, that, that day in Brisbane, seeing what I saw, yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, even the Chads, uh, don't get me wrong, the Chads have a much easier life than most of us. That's, that's definitely true. But the moment that they get married in a Western country, well... Uh, the time bomb is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. You know what I mean? And, uh, hmm, you just be pushing the baby on a beautiful Brisbane day and then, uh oh, said the wrong thing. Shit. Mm mm mm. Felt for the guy. Mm mm mm. Anyway, 
What was I talking about? Oh, yes, skepticism. Look, guys, it's one o'clock. I can come back and talk about my article in a, in a bit, I guess. Let's look at the live chat. Let's see what's in there. Let's see. Uh, 1717 Sleep says Tesla is a construct, a myth, an enigma who, while bankrupt, lived out his life in a hotel. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird story, isn't it? Someone Lights Your Comments says there is a book titled Russia's Space Hoax, documented proof that the Soviet space program has been faked by Lloyd Mellon, published in 1966. Interesting. Uh, let's see. 1717 We Sleep says coal can be created in extreme conditions within years. Sorry it's late and I don't have a link at hand. Okay. Brandon Berry says lunch break. Feminism created the MGTOW movement. I'm sure the ladies are just loving that movement now. Look, I didn't really mean to talk about MGTOW. Just excuse me. I'm just changing my uh, my seating position here. Sitting cross lead. I didn't really mean to talk about MGTOW, but if I'm going to slip this topic in there anyway, why not here? Seems a propos. <clears throat> Look, a lot of what those dudes say is true. A lot of it is true, okay? A lot of it is true. The 80-20 rule, the basic idea of it is true. Like I said, it's not 80-20, it's more like 97-3 or 98-2, but whatever the ratio is, it's true, okay? Most guys are invisible. Most of us, that includes me, completely invisible to the vast majority of women, all right, in the so-called sexual marketplace. That's just true. That's just the truth. It's just true. And a small number of men are getting all of the attention. That's true as well. That's true. But why be bitter about it, right? Like, okay, yes, you've been deceived by TV <laughs> and by Disney movies and, and probably by your your, um, your mother and your aunties and your grandma and, and God knows, and, and married men in your life as well, trying to con you as well, like, oh, no, there's one there for you and, and it's all about common interests and your personality and stuff. And, and when you learn that's all not true, yes, it's natural to be... Uh, a bit angry about about learning this, yes. But is it healthy to carry around uh, resentment? It, the the world is what it is. The system is what it is. Human nature, whether it's imposed or whether it is inherent, either way, it is what it is today. Why be resentful about that? Resentful to who? To the other humans? To the cosmos? Yeah, to God? To whatever put you here? Be resentful towards it? Why? doesn't help you. Does it help you to see yourself as a victim? Oh, I'm a victim because I wasn't born pretty enough or blah, 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 blah. I wasn't born tall enough or I wasn't born with a beautiful enough jawline or a deep enough voice or broad enough shoulders or um, hunter eyes. I wasn't born with these things. You know, Like, is that... Like, you're, you're a victim because you weren't, weren't born pretty enough? Does that help you? I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and that's one of the problems I see with the so-called MGTOW, uh, so-called community, is it does... Look, there are some good people there who are like, don't be resentful, don't do that. Focus on yourself. Focus on what you care about in life now. Focus on improving yourself as a person, uh, saving money, planning for your retirement, focusing on the good. And There are some good people in there, 100%, but there's a lot of negative people. So it's the same as a conspiracy subculture, Right. There are some good people in the conspiracy subculture, a small number of them, but the majority are just people with victim mentalities. Yes. Oh, I'm a victim because I'm not one of the top monkeys. I'm a victim because NASA's stealing my money, which is a complete load of nonsense, but that's another topic. I'm a victim because of this or because of that. Okay. 
you want to see yourself as a victim and now you are in your own minds. Good luck. See how far you get with that. See how much you achieve with that. And so it's just a whole bunch of people reinforcing each other's negative mindsets, right? And they attract each other. It's, it's a horrible, horrible thing, yeah? And that's why so many of their live chats are just a whole bunch of people coming in there, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, pooing in their hands, throwing poo at each other. Because what else have they got? Yeah, they haven't got the virtues of, of humanity in their mind. They're not looking for other people with those virtues. They're not interested in good discussions about good things you can do to improve your life. No, they're victims. I'm a victim because Jeffrey Epstein was in the news for uh, sex, sex crimes. How ridiculous is that? Oh, it's not me. This is the, the, the victim. I'm looking out for the kid victims. Okay, you talking about Epstein doesn't... Even if there are kid victims, you talking about it doesn't change anything. That's ridiculous. You want to feel like there's evil in the world. Because why? Because that makes you a victim. That's why. Yeah? Conspiracy subculture, the MGTOW subculture, same thing. There's some good people, and a lot of what they discuss is true. But anyone who wants you to see yourself as a victim, not good. Not good for you. You will not achieve good things seeing yourself as a victim. It's not healthy. It's not healthy in your own mind. No. Not good. Not good at all. So that's, that's my problem with the, the so-called MGTOW, so-called movement. It's not so much some of their revelations. I mean, you, you look at a, if you look at a, a graph, one was released supposedly by OKCupid, and you can find this on the internet. Let me try and say that again. One was released supposedly by OKCupid. There we go. And if you've got your, your X and your Y axis, what, what they did supposedly, and I, I can't be there to check their methodology, but it makes perfect sense to me is they had a bunch of women assess a bunch of men's profiles and get them to assess their looks and then independently their personality, right? Based on the bio, what was written, these kinds of things. It's almost one-to-one, all right? The, these women, this idea that they like your personality, no. If, if, if a woman finds a man physically attractive, she'll forgive his personality flaws. But she'll forgive the things that she would otherwise say are bad, right? If she finds him ugly... It doesn't matter how nice his personality is, he's going nowhere, okay? And so these, these graphs show like a one-to-one, <laughs> like a one-to-one correlation between his looks and his personality, okay? And then what you'll find is a bunch of guys have created fake Tinder profiles where they get a really cute guy, like a model, right? He's got the face, he's got the body, he's got the whole lot. And then they'll put the most ridiculous bios in there like, uh, you might notice, like, it'll, it'll say stuff like, when we get together, you'll notice I'm wearing a bracelet, uh, an electronic bracelet on my ankle. So I want to be upfront about it. I am a sex offender, right? It'll say this in the bio. And then what they'll do is they'll screenshot all the replies they get from women, from pretty, like, from attractive women, right? And and the kind of things that these women will overlook. So, so these people with the fake profiles will then write, uh, did you read my bio? Did you see that I said that I'm a registered sex <laughs> registered sex offender wearing a bracelet? And it's like, oh yeah, but everyone can change. See, they'll they'll overlook the bad personality because he's cute, right? This is human nature. And yes, when you first learn this, yes, I get it. A lot. Look, learning about a lot of things is is difficult. Yeah, learning about real human nature, the real gender truths. It's difficult. Same as learning about you've been deceived about what you think you know about history, what you think you know about space, what you think you know about dinosaurs, what you think you know about just about everything that's on your TV. Yeah, yeah it, it is painful because you've been deceived and you feel 
embarrassed. Like, oh, how could I have been fooled for so wrong, for so long? How come I believed the TV for so long, right? How come I believed the whole, there's someone out there for you, or it's all about your personality, or how, how come I believed that for so long? Like, it, you feel embarrassed. It hurts your ego. It's like, I'm such a smart person. Oh, you know, it, people take it very personally when they, when they discover some of these truths, yeah? So, so yeah, I get it. I get the bitterness, but really, you have to get out of that if you want to do something successful or productive with your life. You have to, you have to move on from that. And then also, if you can pass certain minimum benchmarks um, to to attract a long term mate, because because the marriage um, marketplace value is very different to the sexual marketplace value. The cute guy, the tall guy with the looks, um, you know, he he's he's dude, it's too easy for him, right? But for most guys, these short term arrangements difficult to come by for most guys. That's just a fact of the matter. When it comes to marriage, though, more of the guys are now in the game because women will settle for longer-term uh, relationships, yeah? Because they can't all be with the cute, rich dude. There's not that many cute, rich dudes, right? Those few cute dudes and those few rich dudes and the, the very few cute, rich dudes, man, this is like one gigantic video game of a leisure suit, Larry, for those guys, right? But So those guys aren't marrying most women. They can't. There's not nothing. So when it comes to marriage, uh, women will, will, of course, settle for a guy who's not actually that cute, all right? But he still has to meet certain benchmarks if he wants to attract any kind of decent partner. He has to be a certain height, has to earn a certain amount of money, has to meet at least certain um, facial uh, characteristics, has to has to be able to pass what they call neurotypical, has to be able to get along in groups, you know, with all the other cool people, and doesn't necessarily have to be the most popular, but has to at least be able to pass for uh, for cool. You know what I mean? So there are certain things he has to be able to do. Now, some guys they might not. They might not rank high enough on the sexual marketplace um, to to have the final success they think they they deserve or they want. But if they want to, they can still find a a long-term partner and have a family, which many people would suggest is a very uh, good thing to do to be content and to be happy with your life, right? So once they learn a lot of these... uh, I think I'm back. Uh, OBS is disconnected four times, I think, to hit them, to scratch them, to throw plates at them. This stuff does happen. Uh, the men who let women get away with that behavior, how can you not say that they're part of it as well? So it's not just female nature, it's, it's human nature. So once you learn about the human nature, do you want to still be part of this game and have a family, which a lot of us, uh, that's, that's all we wanted. That was all we wanted. We wanted to have a, a loving wife and children and and uh, put our time and our life energy into raising children. Yeah. So now that we know what we know, do we still want to do that? Uh, if and in many people, the answer will be yes. Okay, if so, are you going to do that in the United States or in England or in Australia or in Canada or New Zealand or in Western Europe? Are you going to do that? Or do you now have to consider going to Eastern Europe or to South America or to Asia or to some place where the laws aren't... <clears throat> I mean, the laws now in Australia basically encourage women to treat their husbands like shit, basically. It's just a constant shit test. Basically, not for all husbands and not all women, of course, but generally speaking, yeah, the law's now set up. It's just your marriage is now just one giant shit test day after day. And the moment you fail the shit test, she's got cute guys on Tinder and she's got a government who will give her free money and your house probably. And uh, yeah, you know, so so it's a disaster, complete disaster. So what are you going to do about that? Sit around and complain? Well, that's not going to achieve anything. Not going to achieve anything, Okay. You have to make up your mind. Do you want to still pursue a family? 
which means basically looking for one of those real diamonds in the rough in your own country or expanding your horizons, right? And then if you choose the latter option, how are you going to get to Eastern Europe or to South America or to Asia or wherever you think you're going to find the one for you? How are you going to do that? How are you going to fund it? What are you going to do when you get there? Are you going to stay there? Are you going to bring her back to your country? You know, these are things that are very difficult. And I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. I'm 32, no children. Don't think I'll ever have children, which is kind of a shame, but who knows? Things like the future holds, you know? So that's the thing. This is, this is difficult stuff. It's the same with the conspiracy subculture. A lot of these difficult questions about, okay, well, what do I do with my... Now that I know that we have been lied to about all these things, what do I do now, right? What do I do now? And it's like, well, that's difficult, isn't it? Because now you have to think for yourself. You have to come up with your own plan. You have to be responsible for your own health. You can't rely on the TV to tell you what's healthy. It's going to lie to you. That's its job. So you're going to be responsible for yourself? Same problem. People just want easy answers. No, I don't want I don't want to think about this. I don't want to try different things and see what works and talk to other positive... No, I don't want to do that. I just want to blame the boogeyman. I want to blame the evil elites. I want to blame the people with the pedo cults. I want to blame the Jews. I want to blame the Illuminati. I want to blame the Jesuits. I want to blame the CIA. I want to blame the leftists, the globalists. But it doesn't matter. I want to sit and think about what to do with my life now. I just want to sit and complain and blame someone. Conspiracy, they've got all their boogeymen. And uh, MGTOW have their, their easier thing to do as well. Now, let's just sit here and complain about women. Let's just sit here and complain about women. Yeah. What's that going to achieve? Nothing. Absolutely not. Just as sitting there and complaining about men won't achieve anything either. All these blue-pilled simps who let the women get away with this behavior, just sitting here complaining about them achieve anything? No. This is the world we live in. I'm not going to change that. You're not going to change that. What are we going to do with our lives now that we know what we know? What are we going to do? And yeah, like I said, I've got no easy answers for you. What I can tell you, though, is just coming to Asia for the last 10 months has opened my mind to... To, to elements of human nature that that I had to be immersed in and to see to to get a better understanding of. And this just makes me even more keen now to go to Eastern Europe, to go to South America. I've already been to Africa. I've already seen... Look, I'd, I'd happily go to Africa again, but I saw what I needed to see uh, nine years ago when I went there. Don't really need to see that again. I'd be happy to, but I've seen that. But I'd love to go to, to Europe. I'd love to go to South America because who knows, you know, how much that will open my mind as well to seeing how these people behave, how those people behave, how these people behave when they're with you, how these people behave when they're with them, what you can see when you're just observing, what you can see when you're sort of part of it, um, what you can see on their TV. Like, if you... I just... Yeah, the TV does affect people, okay? It's, it's partly a reflection of people, but it also partly imposes certain value systems on people you know it's 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 a bit of give and take isn't it to an extent i didn't expect to see on vietnamese tv what i've seen it still blows my mind actually what i've seen so who knows what i'm going to see on uh, on eastern european tv what do, what do they think is normal what do they think is acceptable yeah and then when you're with people in real life you know at a cafe or at a bar what do they think is acceptable yeah and, and when you're with them just you and them and you're just chatting or whatever's happening you know um yeah this has been very uh horizon expanding the last 10 months if i can put it that way so uh if if you're a person in this situation you know a a man or a woman i suppose but but a person who is in the situation where what you thought you knew about the world you don't know anymore what you thought you knew about humans you don't know anymore and now you're thinking well, what do i do what do i do next i think it's definitely worth if you can trying to get out of your country and just seeing a different part of the world whether it is 
Central America, South America, Europe. Uh, listen, if you've grown up in America, Canada, you don't need to go to Australia. Okay, it's just as bad, if not worse, in a lot of ways. When, in terms of the social element, all right. But you just got something different, and just because what it does is. It's the same as if you try and learn a different language, right? When I first started trying to learn Chinese back when I was a university student, it forced me to reconsider what I thought I knew about English. Because <clears throat> we're not taught English that well, okay? In, in, certainly in Australia and I think in, in most countries. We're not taught our own language that well. I've met Germans who know English better than, than I do. I might be able to speak it better than them and write it better than them because I've got, I've got more practice. But in terms of the technical elements of English... No, they, they knew it better than I did because they're, they're trained that... Some of them are trained that way. Uh, our, our technical knowledge of our own language is, is terrible. So when I was learning Chinese, it forced me to be like, hold on, what do I even know about English? And, and my English actually improved as a result of learning Chinese, as crazy as that sounds. So it is, I think, with going into a different culture. It, it forces you or it causes you or it encourages you to reconsider what you think you know about your own culture and about yourself, about your own mind, about your own concepts of right and wrong. And, uh, and I could give you specific examples, many specific examples, and, and maybe one day I will uh, make some videos about this or write some articles or produce some podcasts or something about this. Yeah, the last 10 months have, have just been full on in so many ways that I can... I mean, I, I could describe them. I, I want to say to you, oh, I can't even describe it. No, I could, just not tonight. It's uh, it's 1.30 in the morning. But, um, but in terms of an overall comprehensive answer for you, what do you do now, now that you know about the, the 80-20 rule, and now that you know about the the looks, um, personality correlation, yeah, I mean, what else is there? What are some of the other truths that the MGTOW groups do have? Um, uh, I used to have like five or six off the top of my head that I could cite as examples, that when you look into it, what they're saying is, look, just lookism in general, man, just lookism in general. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a black pill, man. Looking into lookism is a, is a black pill. Such a black pill. It really is. I, I, I don't even recommend that, to be honest. If you haven't done that yet, don't do it. I mean, if you really want to do it, I'm not going to talk you out of it. But I'm definitely not going to talk you into it, okay? Learning about lookism is full on. I can sort of sit here and smirk now, but... <laughs> it wasn't that funny uh, a year or two ago when I first learned about it. Just sit, sort of sit there and... Shit. And then you see it happening in real life. You're like, holy crap. So much of my life was a complete delusion deluding myself man in good ways and bad ways you know delusions don't have to be bad or good you can you can find a lot of your life you were sort of seeing things through a certain prism that just weren't true you can see that you had certain advantages that you didn't realize and certain disadvantages you didn't realize and certain good things that, you, that happened you thought were because of these other things but they're really because of this certain bad things that happened you thought were because of this but really because of that yeah it'll, it'll throw you it'll throw you it's like it's like chucking a baby into a, a tumble dryer, you know what I mean? Just it's I have seen footage of that by the way. I've, I've been I've been reading too much poll lately, you know, 4chan poll. You can't joke about throwing babies into tumble dryers. Well, it's not really a joke. This actually does happen. You see footage of it. And I'm not going to name the uh, ethnicity of the people who I saw putting their babies in tumble dryers, but it happens. It happens. That's the thing too. Part of me thinks, bro, look at some of these complete retards having children. You, you have to have... It's your duty to have children because even if you're not the smartest guy in the world or the best guy in the world, Jesus, at least you're thoughtful enough to to read books to them at night, which most parents don't do. Oh, too busy to read books for your own children. Okay, whatever. You know, you're not going to put your baby in a freaking tumble dryer, are you? No, you're not. 
You know? There's other people putting their babies in tumble dryers. <laughs> There's people never reading to their children, never reading to their own children. Imagine such a thing. You've got a child. It would love for you to read to it, and you don't read to it? Even 15 minutes a night? Holy crap, there are these people out there. It's incumbent on me and people like me to have children because we'd be such better parents. And it's like, yeah. But, you know, uh, hey, man, listen, this Brave New World agenda, it's it's real. It's a real thing. It's happening. I'm not stopping that. It's, yeah. It is what it is, man. But, but look, I fully get, if you're out there, you're watching this right now or you're listening to this and you're like, JLB, dude, this is totally wrong what you're saying. This is totally defeatist. And, but it's like, I, I totally get that perspective as well. Because I used to have that perspective. Like, oh, we, we, you know, we. Who, who the hell is we, by the way? Oh, the truth movement. Yeah, the people who know. Dude, most of the so-called truth movement don't know shit. They still believe in ancient history. They still believe in the ancient Egyptians. They still believe in carbon dating. They still believe in rocks flying around in space. Yeah. They, they, yeah give me a break. These people are clueless. There is no we. But even if there was, we are outnumbered. Millions to one. You understand that? Okay? Millions to one. So this idea of, oh, you're being defeatist. What the hell are you talking about? The score is 110 to 3, and there's five seconds left on the buzzer. And I'm saying, I'm not worried about the result. And you want me to be worried about the result? You worry about the result. Okay? You worry about the next five seconds of the game and everything that comes afterwards. Because me, dude, I'm hitting the locker room, getting my stuff, and I'm going out of here. And I'm partying because this game's over. And as far as I'm concerned, it was over before I was even born. And if you believe otherwise, that's fine. But take your delusions elsewhere. I've, I've spent five years having my delusions just smacked out of my head. Like I said, like a going around in a tumble dryer. Like, what the hell? You think you learn one thing and it's like, well, that other thing doesn't even matter anymore because I learned this other thing. And then, whoa, like, holy shit. Plato not real? What the hell? What the f- You know? Out of space. What is my evidence for out of space? Uh oh. Shit. You know what I mean? Bang. Going around. Well, it doesn't really matter because, yeah, I mean, looks are important, but person- <laughs> personality is important. Oh, shit. Going around the tumble dryer. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter because most marriages don't end in divorce. Oh, you look into the statistics. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. All right. Shit. Going around this tumble dryer. Just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? Can someone please turn this tumble dryer off because it's getting very hot in here? Going around and around. And then meanwhile, you find people who claim they know what's going on. You have a nice conversation with them. And then they let some monkey into the chat. He goes, ooh, ah. Poos in his hand, throws the pill at them. And you're like, all right, well, get rid of that monkey. They're like, no, I've got a better idea. <laughs> ooh, ah. <laughs> so, okay, let them go for a few minutes. This keeps going on for half an hour. Just sitting there. Hey, and, and, and this is the resistance, is it? This, this is the resistance that's going to change the system. People who just throw pill at each other on the internet. This is amazing technology we've got. Amazing technology. Phenomenal technology that we have at our disposal. Free. Free. Yeah? Free internet. You can stream your opinions, your thoughts, your research, if you do any, to the world. And anyone who wants to can watch you in real time, leave comments. And what do people use this technology for? To go into each other's live streams and accuse them of being Jews. You're a Jew. Oh, you're working for the Jews. Oh, no, you're a transvestite. You're working for the transvestite. But really, this is what they use there. The earth is flat and you're a paid agent sent to discredit the flat earth movement. Yeah? That's what people use the technology for. 
Like, and and this is the resistance. This is the this is the resistance. Really, you you believe that? I don't think you really believe that. To be perfectly honest, I don't think you really believe that. I think some people like to LARP to live action role play. Yeah, LARPing is the resistance. Yeah, we're the resistance, man. We know the truth. Yeah, we're going to take down CNN, NASA, the Jews, the Jesuits. We're going to expose the Freemasons. Give me a break, man. Give me a break, man. The masses, forget about it. So yeah, so there is lots of truths in the world to learn. And skepticism helps with that. And I was meant to be talking about skepticism today, but uh, check the links in the info box below. Go and check out Jay Dye's piece. See if you like it. Check out my piece. Make sure you... Let me show you this again on the screen. Let's go to this. What you really want to do, the most important thing for you to do right now, if you haven't already done it, it'll take you not even one minute. Go to the mailing list. Sign up. It'll come up with this page. There we go. Very nice. Put in your email address. Put in a name. Any name doesn't matter. Put in a letter. Doesn't matter. All that matters is the email address. Subscribe. Doesn't cost a cent. And in a few days' time, I'm going to send out a link to my chat where I discuss Jay Dyer and Esoteric Hollywood. And I might even send out a link to the practice of skepticism, which, truth be told, is only available to members of my website at the moment. But in a couple of days, I will send out a link so that you can check that out. But what do I talk about in this piece? Basically, I talk about uh, skepticism. Somebody asked me about skepticism. Like, let me tell you what I think. What this term? What this term means to me? Definition. So here's a here's a book definition of of skepticism. Okay. Uh, are you practicing skepticism? Skepticism is something that I think you have to practice. Okay. And and, and maybe I was talking about sort of going around in the the dryer and that happens to you when you start applying skepticism to all these beliefs we've got hundreds thousands of beliefs man thousands of beliefs and when we start applying skepticism to them one by one they they fall apart because so much of what we've been told is a lie about so many things that's a practice and and you do get i i shouldn't say you i have gotten better with practice and i believe that most people will if they practice it will get better at it going well what, what do i actually believe on this topic what is my evidence I will go and double check that. I, I do think this is something you get better. Same as going to the gym. You know what I mean? You go to the gym. The first time you go, you don't wake up the next day and you must. It doesn't work that way. But if you're new to the gym, man, within a few weeks, you start getting what they call noob gains. Yeah. And then over months, you start actually developing some definition. You start to notice your lifts all go up. You're feeling good about yourself. Yeah. And then you start doing it more. And then after a few more months, people start complimenting you and they start saying, hey, man, been working out. As a matter of fact, I have. Yeah. Thank you. And then your confidence builds. And the next thing you know, it's part of your life. It's something you don't even think about. You just wake up, you do a live stream. The first hour was great. Second hour, there's people throwing poo at each other. You leave the live stream. What am I doing now? I have to go to the gym. It just becomes part of your life. I don't even think about it. I think skepticism is the same. So that's what, that's what I'm trying to encourage is the practice of skepticism. Not just what is it. Practicing it. Not that I can prove to you it'll make your life better. Okay? Because like I said, you go around in that that dryer long enough and then you wake up one day 32 years old thinking what the hell is going on here how is this even possible so yeah subjective reality so you'll, you'll hear this distinction a lot objective versus subjective objective opinions versus subjective opinions is there an objective reality I say yes insofar as there are things that you and I can agree on if we're being honest and sensible right not trying to argue semantics or the minutia, but are there things we can agree on? If I drop this mouse, will the mouse uh, fall to the earth? Yes, it will. Okay? That is objective reality. That's not my subjective opinion. You drop this thing, it will fall. Yeah? 
insofar as that is real, yes, I do believe in objective reality, insofar as those things are real. So I talk about semantics and I talk about epistemology, what it is to know things. I go through my ideas and all of this, how we spend our time. Look, I'm happy to, to be an entertainer. I try and be an entertainer. Sometimes I'm better at it than others. Tonight, it's probably been five or five or ten minutes of me trying to be entertaining and the rest has all been me probably being a bit too serious. You know, That's one thing that's really good about Jay Dyer. He does his impersonations, chucks in lots of jokes. I, I need to remind myself to be more like that. I'm too serious too much. You need to keep things lighthearted. So I, I, but I do try and be entertaining. Um, I do try, you know, sometimes. And, and there's nothing wrong with using skepticism as entertainment. There are people out there who probably still believe in dinosaurs, but they're happy to sign up to my website and uh, just see what's going on because they find me entertaining. They're like, is this guy serious? Does he seriously believe dinosaurs are not real? This guy went to university. Does he really not believe in evolution? All this stuff, right? I'm cool with that. If, if I'm, if what I'm doing is entertain, if my skepticism is entertaining enough for people to give it their time as opposed to television or uh, getting drunk and watching sports ball or whatever, that's enough for me. I'm not trying to convince people to my way of thinking, right? However, for people who don't just see this as entertainment, if they see it as something more, well, that's where practicing skepticism is so important. It's not enough just to read my material or listen to my work. It's a practice. It's something you actually do yourself. You, you find out, what do I think I know? What is the official story? Let's look into both. Where do I get my opinion from? Where's the official story come from? Now looking at all the evidence on the table, what makes the most sense? See, now we're into a practice. It's a practice. How we value our time. Yeah, I mean, look at these people throwing poo at each other in the live streams. These people don't value their time. They're happy to sit there and throw poo at each other all day. Yeah? They, they, what, what do they care? They don't care. Me, I do care. And I spend the whole walk, yeah, the, the next 15 minutes once I leave my place, I spend that whole walk going, man, you that hour you're never getting back, bro. For what? You were just sitting there in silence watching people throw a pill at each other. You know, that's just silly. Don't waste your time. There's not enough time to waste doing that. If you want to waste time, at least do it something having fun. Sitting there watching monkeys throw a pill at each other. That's not, that's not fun. Not for me. Watching versus doing. Same basic idea. The beauty and power of logic. That was my 17th member video. 17, at the time I didn't know this, is the number in occult, certain occult schools and traditions of... Uh, initiation, 17, the star. But um, that's that's just chance. just so happens that in the one one-hour piece that I released about logic, as I see it, <clears throat> and in that particular piece I used a, a book that I actually kept from university. There was one university course that I took that was a course subject. You take four subjects a semester or four courses a semester. It uh, depends on the terminology you want to use. There was only one that I did that to this day I still feel... Uh, was truly beneficial for me from all of the philosophy I did. Most of it was crap. The one that was... Because it was all based on, ooh, this guy said this and this guy said that. And man, the number of philosophy grads I've met, all they can do is tell you what someone else said. It's like, I'll say to them, so here's this issue, what do you think of this? And they'll be like, well, you know that... Uh, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so what if you said that? I'm asking you for your opinion. All they can do is just regurgitate what someone else said. It's It's phenomenal. It's like, okay, so you've, you've basically learned to parrot other people. Well done. To me, that's the complete opposite of what philosophy is all about. Thanks to one particular course I took on Intro to Logic. And, and I took that in first year philosophy. And um, yeah, anyway, the point of my story is I based that particular piece, The Beauty and Power of Logic, on some of the introductory concepts from 
that particular course. I kept my, my course notes and everything and just said, here are the things that stuck with me when I took that course and the things that got me thinking about and the things I've been thinking about uh, ever since then. So um, I mentioned that in that particular piece, uh, Take a Walk on the Wild Side, a trip out to Tucson. So trip out to Tucson, what I'm talking about there is you think that history is real. Most people think history is real, that ancient Greece is real, ancient Rome, all these things. <clears throat> and we assume that there's all these sources for it, that uh, the experts have all these documents, blah, blah, blah. But we actually take the time to, to trace the sources. They don't exist. It's not real. It's all fake. Our whole reality that you think you know, going back thousands, that's not real. Not real at all. You can prove this for yourself. It's very easy to do so. And I call this taking a trip out to Tucson. As you can see, the, the background image from my website is a, a clip from uh, the 13th floor, which is a film that was made in the late 1990s, around the same time as Dark City, The Matrix. And it's a film that, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it explores this idea that you've got people who think they know what this reality is. I was one of those people. There are certain things you can learn that change everything. It's not just changing a little bit. It changes everything. And I think the history hoax is that. I think it's one thing to hear me talking about history being a hoax and the Library of Alexandria is a hoax. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt. Ooh, this great library that had all of the knowledge of human civilization. No, that's a hoax, okay? Oh, no, it existed, but it burnt down. No, it didn't. didn't burn down. There was no Library of Alexandria. didn't burn down. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt, period. Once you look into this for yourself, don't hear me talk about it. Once you look into it for yourself, you'll see what I'm talking about. Everything changes. And and people who've seen the film The 13th Floor will know there's a key scene where the dude gets told something, can't believe it, he tests it out. Takes the time. That's the thing, just takes the time to test it out. And then he does, he's like, oh, because he sees the results where as he was told, he's like, uh, okay, that changes everything. Yes, changes everything so it's it's taking a walk on the wild side man you know it like i said it's, it's jumping into the dryer you know what i mean like do you want to jump into that dryer do you and i don't know man i, I keep trying to explain to people i don't know if i'm happier now than i was in the past i don't know i don't know i look at other people they seem happy enough i don't think i'm happier than normies i think i'm less agitated by certain things but maybe I'm more agitated by other things, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I, I can't sit here and tell you, oh, I'm happier. I wish I could, but I can't. Oh, yeah, nobody can do your research for you. The reason, So one of the reasons I wanted to write this particular article at the time was because someone had said to me, because we do these member Skype calls, right? Now, now we use Discord, much better than Skype. But the same basic idea. People get together, we chat about a certain topic, whatever. And some, something had come up where someone had said to me during the call, X, Y, and Z, and then I'm like, and I'm just paraphrasing, this is all going back 18 months, 12 or 18 months. And um, I'd, I'd said words to the effect of, yeah, but have you checked that? And then this person had said to me, that's what I pay you for, John. And it was like, no, you don't pay me to do your research for you. Uh, my website has a, a paywall to get in and a monthly subscription. And with that, you get access to all the material you get to see the research that I've done that I'm presenting to you, which I believe is all good, but maybe it's not. It's up for you to look into that for yourself. But I'm de- you're definitely not paying me to do uh, your research for you. No, I'm no, 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 no. If people were going to pay me to do my to do their research for them, I'd I'd want significantly more than my website costs. Significant. I'm not. No, I'm not doing other people's research for them. 
no, 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 no. So I had to write this uh, this piece, kind of like explaining. Just being a member of my website doesn't make you a skeptic, basically. If you join my website, there's a good chance that means you are skeptical. That's why you've been following my channel or whatever. But just being a member in and of itself does not make you skeptical. Because I'm putting to you that it's a practice. Do you practice skepticism? If you still believe in outer space, probably not a skeptic, okay? Because you've got no evidence that that place exists. You've just got TV shows, all right? And that's just one example. Doesn't mean you're not welcome on the website, by the way. Anyone's welcome, but just don't think that being a member or, or even necessarily just watching my channel, my, my YouTube channel, that doesn't make you a skeptic, man. There's so many beliefs in your head. I can't undo them for you. If they're going to be undone, you have to do it for yourself. You know, I can show you the method that I use. You might like that method. You might not. You might like some of it, but want to modify it. That's cool. You might want to take pieces of what I'm talking about and pieces of what Jan Irvin's talking about and pieces of what Jay Dyer's talking about and then mix it all. That's totally cool. Whatever your method is, that's sweet. But skepticism will involve you following a method consistently. And if you follow a skeptical method consistently, I put to you that eventually you're going to realize history is a hoax, dinosaurs are a hoax, nuclear bombs are a hoax, you name it. It's just hoax town, bro. Women being attracted to personality over looks, that's a hoax. Oh, but I know this one girl. Okay, there are exceptions that doesn't disprove the general trend, okay? There are plenty of women out there who value men's personality and they're smart enough to realize they should choose a mate when they're young and they choose a mate based on virtuous traits as opposed to just looks sure. That's great. But the, the, the minority of cases doesn't disprove the general trend. And when you get things like that XY correlation and then when you start paying attention to what's going on in the world around you hey there's a general trend okay and if you're if you're consistent in your skepticism you'll identify a whole bunch of hoaxes just like i said in the dryer in the tumble dryer five years now it's been almost six and look at that credit list man that is a t- look this is from only august september this is from 15 months ago and uh yeah there's almost no one there Five super agents and what do you got there? 10, 20, 30. There's probably 50, 50 members on the website back then. So yeah, it's about double the size now. So I'm, I'm very happy with uh, how things have progressed for the website and it's allowed me to do all of this. And I've got a, an event I plan to attend in Chiang Mai, Northern Thailand in January. And then after that, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know. It, it, uh, I might go back to Australia and just get a regular job. I might... Uh, Maybe come back to Vietnam and teach English. I'm seriously considering doing that. You get paid a fortune to teach English, you guys. Like, <clears throat> relatively speaking, don't quote me on this, do your own research, but I'm here to tell you, you don't even need a bachelor's degree. Obviously, I have a bachelor's degree, but you don't even need one. You can teach English here. All you need is white skin. That's all you need. And, and even a, a rudimentary understanding of the English language. I've met people here teaching English who were from places in, like, Eastern Europe. I've met people from, from Chile. I met a dude from Chile. Chile or Peru or one of these places. He can speak okay English, but not that good. Definitely not good enough to be teaching English, in my opinion. Hey, his skin was white enough. His English was understandable. Teaching English, man. And, uh, yeah, you can earn yourself 1500 US a month teaching English. More if you're good. But even just base level. Now, you might say, oh, 1500 a month, that's nothing. Uh, in this country, that's tons. Okay, most of the people here are getting by on half of that or less 
Okay, that's that's a lot of money. And especially for me, because the Australian dollar is so weak, the dollar's like, it's like 67 US cents to, a, to an Aussie dollar now. So if I was earning even 1,500 US a month teaching English, I could still do all my online stuff on the side. And that'd be like two, three, two, four, by the time you take away tax, probably two, two grand Australian a month. If I did that for six months, I've got enough money to then maybe go and stay in a, a slightly more expensive country or, or whatever. Look, the, the point of my story is two points of my story. One, I know what my future holds. And, uh, and two, yeah, teaching English. <clears throat> Pardon me, there we go. Teaching English, that's better. Teaching English in, uh, in Vietnam. Yeah, you can make, make decent money. I'm not saying it's necessarily a great idea, by the way, because there are pitfalls. Okay, this is a country that I've been here for four months now, five months, and, and, uh, there's enough good here to, to keep me here until the end of this visa. That'll be six months total by the end of this, this particular stay. But there's some things that, that happen here that, you wouldn't last. Some people wouldn't last a month. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. But hey, why not try, man? If if you are a white person who can speak English, which is all of you, um, shouldn't say all of you, which is the vast majority of you, then then you can come teach English in Vietnam. Okay. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a lawyer. Don't quote me. Just do your own research. But like I said, um, save a few thousand dollars, buy a ticket to Vietnam, and, and come teach English. Why not? If you're not white, it will be more difficult in Vietnam. But there are other countries you can go and teach English. Uh, for those of you who don't know, why do you have to be white? Just how it is here, man. You know how, like, in, in uh, Western countries, British-derived Western countries especially, and then uh, places like Sweden, etc., being white means that you're evil? Uh, in Vietnam, it's the opposite. In Vietnam, it's like, no, being white, that guy can teach English. It's crazy. They'll have people who can teach better English... Uh, but because they're Viet Q, because they're part English, part white, part Vietnamese, not nah, too too difficult. We want the white guy who can barely speak English. It's crazy. So, so if you're not white, it, it's more risky out here. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's not as easy. It's not anywhere near as easy. I'm being perfectly honest. That's just how it is. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you how it is. But uh, but most of my audience uh, would be white. I would imagine for whatever reason. And uh, yeah. If you've got nothing, if, if you've got nothing else that you've ever, ever thought of doing, consider coming out here. It's a fun place to be. It's wild, man. It's like the wild west. It's crazy, and um, the locals, they, you know, they, their English is not very good. That's the problem, in my opinion. But some of them can speak English. If you know where to look, you can find them. I've found plenty who can speak good English, and they're fun to be around. Lots of fun. And uh, yeah. Anyway, that was a tangent I didn't mean to go on. What was I talking about? Oh, yes. So thanks to these people, thanks to the members of my website, I've been able to do all this for the last 12 months. And it's been great. And it's been something that, that I worked towards and I wanted to do. And and now, no matter what happens uh, post-January, I can, I can walk away and I can say, well, my youth could have been used better, but, but at least I did something that I wanted to do. You know, I went to Africa in 2010 and... And I loved it. That was six of the best months of my life. Truly, it was it was uh, phenomenal. And and I always said I wanted to travel again. And it, it took me a long time to finally do it. And now I've done it. So so it's only been possible through this website and uh, and through the the support of the members, which I greatly appreciate. <clears throat> and back in back in August of last year, there was only fifty people here. Now there's more like a hundred. So yeah, happy with that. Almost two o'clock in the morning, really, it's almost time for bed. So like I said, what I'll do is, what you need to do, if you're still watching here, uh, johnlebon.com, there's only one thing you need to do. If you want to get your hands on Chad and the Natufian, 
discussing Jay Dyer and Esoteric Hollywood with me. And if you want to get your hands on a copy of The Practice of Skepticism, not to mention, I'll also include a link to the latest member call. Let me show you this just quickly. Uh, where are we? Latest member call, The Matrix. Yeah, I released this a few days ago, The Matrix call with Fung and Technonosis. We spoke about The Matrix. These member calls are two-hour podcasts, fully edited. There's tons of sound bites in there. The show keeps rolling well. It's audio. It's, uh, the audio is very well balanced, smooth to listen to. You'd swear that I'm a complete professional, okay? And I put a lot of time and effort into these. They take a couple of days to edit, and that's why I've, I'm only putting out maybe one every couple of weeks at the moment. But it's myself, other members of the website, and we discuss all kinds of topics. Lately, we've been discussing films, The Matrix, Total Recall, 12 Monkeys, and discussing the philosophical elements of these films, uh, particularly to say with The Matrix to do with reality, you know, existentialism, even things like uh, metaphysics and uh, epistemology. Like, what do we think we know, right? If you're in The Matrix, you think you know something, but then it changes, right? Do Is reality as objective as we think it is? If I drop something, will it always fall? How much faith do we have to place in what we've observed so far? These kinds of questions. A lot of these things come up in films like The Matrix. In The Matrix, we also covered, in that particular call, we also covered this question of was Cypher really the bad guy? And uh, was he was he caught up in a bait and switch? Yeah. Did Morpheus trick Cypher with a bait and switch, you know? Get Trinity. Meet Trinity at a club. Yeah, Trinity, this cute chick. She's like, you uh, want to join the, the group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Cypher's like... Yeah, I want to join this group. Joins him and he gets there. There's only one Trinity on that ship and she's waiting for Neo. And now Cyber's looking around and he's like, what have I gotten myself in for? You know what I mean? So, look, these calls can go in any direction. They're a lot of fun. And what I'll do is I'll send out the first hour from the Matrix call to the mailing list as well. So there'll be a lot for you to check out in the next mailing list mail out, which I'll try and send out maybe tomorrow. That gives people time to listen to this call and, and sign up. And like I said, just go and click here, join it. It's free. Won't cost you a cent. I definitely won't spam your inbox. I don't even send out as many as I plan to. It should be, I should be sending out two a month, I think. But so far, it's more like one a month on average. And uh, yeah, so big thanks to all the people. If you've enjoyed this presentation, then there's two people. There's, there's one guy and then a whole bunch of other people you should thank. The one guy is Jay's Analysis. He released this piece. I use this as the basis for my... Uh, presentation today. It gave me a good excuse to set a live chat up at 11 p.m. my time. As if I was going to... You know what I would have done if it wasn't for this? I would have just spent pretty much until about this time of night reading the 4chan poll board. I'm hooked. I'm hooked on it. It's no good for me. Look how tired I am. No good for me. Oh, well. These things happen. So, yeah, thanks to Jay's analysis. I'll put the link to this article in the in the info box below or in the show notes for the MP3 version. And uh, the other people we should be thanking for this presentation... Uh, all of these people here, the super agents, and uh, and uh, all of the full members. You've got Adam B and Nicholas are the latest full members. And then, what's this, maybe 50, 60, 70 other full members. A whole ton of people making all this possible. Look, members as well. These are the people who make all of this possible. And uh, like I said, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be doing this. And I'm very appreciative of the fact that there's people out there who support what I'm doing. So thank you all very much to all of you. And uh, to all the people who've ever supported what I'm doing, I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you all very much. So I think we'll wrap it up there. I might just read out the comments one more time. Let's see what's going on. <coughs> all right, let's see. Uh, Brandon Berry says, I just discovered the MGTOW movement like a week ago. I've known about Women's Nature for some time, and I'm certainly not bitter. Just glad to know enough not to get trapped. 
Uh, controversial. Controversial term, trapped. I was uh, recently chatting with uh, an old comrade of mine on uh, on the phone, or on Skype, as the case may be. And... Um, you know, this idea that when, when men get get married, they can find themselves in a situation that they didn't want to sign up for. It's, it's a real... Th- Look, I'm sure the same thing happens to some women as well. I'm sure there are some real shithead husbands out there as well, I'm sure. But I think what happens to a lot of men in Australia and in countries like Australia is they think they're signing up for a marriage that will have its ups and downs, but it's someone who will be on their team and they're going to have children... And this person's going to be on their team to raise the children, at the very least. And then they find out, years down the track, this woman's not really on your team, and she doesn't even want the children to be on your team, and all of a sudden you're a stranger in your own house. Yeah, you're not even welcome in your own house, and uh, that 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 would be crushing, wouldn't it? And I think a lot of men do find themselves in that situation. And again, look, MGTOW has predominantly two groups of people. Young guys who are not sexually successful, which is most guys, most of us are either getting nothing or getting very little compared to the the successful guys or the people on TV or the people we thought we were going to be. Most guys have very little success on, in the sexual marketplace, the vast majority of guys, okay? So MGTOW is made up of, of these kinds of guys who have no success or very little and are, and are bitter about it or unhappy about it. Or guys who've gotten married and then been divorced. They're in unhappy marriages and they know that divorce is on the way or these kind of things. These two groups of people, they're there for different reasons, but, but the bitterness can rub off on each other. And and um, and, I, and again, I can completely understand that. Like I'm, I'm fortunate that I got to at least go through my, my teens and my early 20s before Tinder and before Swipe, Swipe, Swipe. So, so I probably... How do, I, how do I put this appropriately? I have a lot less to complain about than than young guys now. Like me now, this me now. Um, if I was, if, if the twenty, if the twenty three, four, five year old version of me was alive today, he probably would have more to complain about. But I was fortunate that I got, I just got enough of my youth in before all of this happened. So, so I'm. Like I've got less reason to be to be bitter about all of that, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not a Chad. I never was a Chad. I was never one of these dudes just getting women messaging me on. Like I've never used Tinder, but if I was on Tinder, I wouldn't be getting women messaging me. No way. Only the top tier do. Yeah, only the top tier do. And I can see why some men are, are very bitter about that. But like I said, it doesn't help you. And then men look the whole divorce thing. I can definitely see why those guys are bitter about that, but but even their situation doesn't help them, doesn't help their children. Um, but yeah, I, fuck, it's tough, man. It's tough. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that never happens to me. I don't know if, if one day I'll get married. I don't know. I doubt it. But, but if if I do, boy, that would suck if if things went pear shaped. Yeah, I, hmm, yeah. So it's not not even worth thinking about. Let's see. Uh, Nathan Oakley says hello hello Nathan Oakley oh yeah Brandon Berry talks about my 100% real events yeah I had this video that went viral well, semi-viral 700,000 views where I was talking about Ariana Grande being a hoax 
And, uh, but I didn't call it a hoax. I said it was 100% real. And I was so, like, I was very happy with that video, you know. I've, I've spoken about this so many times, no point going over this again. But thank you, thank you to everyone who finds those 100% real videos funny. Uh, I, yeah, I look back on those fondly. Uh, Mike G Poetry makes a reference to uh, Harley Guy. You guys all know Harley Guy. It's too late for me to start doing the clip show. I would love to start playing clips of, of the 9-11 uh, nonsense. We want to bring in Mike Walsh, who's a freelancer for Fox, and you witnessed I saw the entire thing from beginning to end. People talk about how it looked like a movie, and I know when I walked down here this morning and saw both towers on fire, it, it looked like a movie, but you saw the towers. I was watching with a roommate approximately five or ten blocks from here. I saw a plane come out of nowhere and ream into the side of the Twin Towers, exploding through the other side. And then, of course, I witnessed both towers collapse, one first and then a second, mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense. Yeah? That's not quite word for word, but that's that's pretty close. <clears throat> pretty close. Uh, Harley Guy. Harley Guy and Mike Walsh. Uh, yeah. Freelancer for Fox, who saw the entire 9-11 from beginning to end. And he knew on the day of the event that the towers came down, mostly due to structural failure, because the fires were just too intense. Yeah. Oh, they're hiding the secret. They're hiding the truths from it. No, they're not hiding the truth from us. It, they're putting these jokes in plain sight so that those of us who are not moronic can uh, can wake up to it. I saw something interesting. Uh, look, this this one has gone all over the place. So let's just let me tell you something. I saw something on 4chan poll very recently, which was another one of these threads. They've always got these threads about why are women so blah blah blah. You know, they're basically MGTOW threads, yeah. And they're complaining about Western women and and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I like to click on those threads. I like to click on a lot of threads on 4chan poll and just browse, see the opinions, see what people are saying, look at the different graphs, look at the different images, look at the different arguments, whatever. And uh, anyhow, I saw one guy leave a comment recently basically saying, look, in, in this particular thread, they're all blaming the Jews for Tinder and for porn. Because if you look into who's behind Tinder and like, pornography, it's all this company called MindGeek. And if you look into who's behind MindGeek, there are predominant... For some reason, there's lots of Jewish people there. I can't imagine why. Same thing with Tinder. Tinder and a bunch of other companies all go back to this group of people. Jewish, again, right? I, I don't understand why this is. But anyway, what these guys are doing, therefore, is blaming the Jews for porn and for Tinder. And they, they want to blame the Jews for all of this, which that's their business. They can blame whoever they want. I've tried to explain. I don't think it pays to blame people, but whatever. That's their business. And anyway, what someone has done in the, like, one of the comments, one of the anonymous comments was, guys, the Jews, and I'm paraphrasing, guys, the Jews have done us a solid, right? By releasing Tinder, now the hypergamous nature of the females is made clear, right? Only the idiots are going to fall for this trap now. Any guy can see how it really works. Any guy can see that the personality overlooks thing is is a myth, it's a hoax. Any guy can see how easy it is for girls. A lot of guys get married to girls not realizing that women, it, they are bombarded by by attempts from men. Now, most of the time, they're from men who they're not interested in. Most men are below them on the on the sexual marketplace uh, scale. Top tier men, all women pretty much, 
and then the vast majority of men, right? That's how it is. Most men are blind to this, but all you have to do is see uh, a girl's Tinder profile, right? All you have to do is see it. Like, again, I don't want to, don't want to say anything that, that comes across the wrong way, but let's just say, again, I don't have Tinder personally. If you do, that's your business. I don't have Tinder. I've never used it. I probably won't use it. However, sometimes you are with a girl and she shows you her Tinder account, you know, and uh, and you see, and it's like, holy crap. Uh, if this girl doesn't want to see me again, doesn't matter for her because she's got a ton of... Uh, you know what I mean? You've seen it. You've seen it. And so what this guy was, was saying, and I'm, I'm injecting some of my own thoughts into the, the scheme of his post, was basically the, the, the Jews... <laughs> Because again, that's that's who that's who they're blaming in that thread. Okay, that's the context. Okay, don't don't shoot the message. I'm just telling you what, what they're talking about. He's saying, man, the Jews have done us a solid, right? They have revealed the hypergamous nature, right? Twenty years ago, even just twenty years ago, uh, this wasn't clear to men. A lot of men didn't realize. Some men did, but a lot of men didn't realize what they were signing up for. And it's not just the nature of the women; it's the nature of the men. Okay, a lot of us don't realize, or we want to pretend we don't know. Just how how far low men will go if they have a few drinks in them and, and whatever. How do I get this back on track? Listen, it's not just female nature. It's, it's a human nature, okay? And, and Tinder's revealing that. The amount of messages that men will send women, the amount of messages that women get sent, it's revealing something. It's revealing something very important that 20 years ago wasn't so obvious and uh, this particular commenter on poll didn't mention this, but, but this is something I've noticed as well. I went back and rewatched season seven of Seinfeld recently. Season seven. That's the season where George and Jerry make this plan to get married, right? It has that classic red pill scene where uh, Kramer comes into the uh, into Jerry's apartment, and then and I'm paraphrasing. This is all paraphrase. Just give me the gist of it. Where is Jerry's like, uh, Kramer, I've got some big news. And uh, he's like, I was sitting with George, we were having coffee. And then Kramer's like, and you were thinking, isn't there more to life? And Jerry's like, yeah. And he's like, and so you were thinking, why don't we get married and have kids? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, and I've kind of butchered a bit because he's like, and you were thinking, isn't there more to life? And Jerry's like, yeah. And he's like, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. And Jerry's like, there's not? He's like, certainly not. Right? And then he starts explaining, what do you want to do? Get married? Right? It's a prison. It's a man-made prison. You've got to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Right? Now, there are a lot of guys out there where their girlfriend or wife will tell them what they can even wear. Yes, you can't wear that. And then, and then of course, what happens is Jerry backs out of the deal and George goes ahead and wants to get married to uh, Susan, I think it is. And um, so anyway, it, it gets to the stage where Jerry goes to George's apartment to go into the theater and George's like, all right, let's go. And, and this is like in the same episode, like maybe the next episode, early in the series, Susan's like, what are you wearing that? And straight away what Kramer said is coming true. Now George is in a prison, a man-made prison. In this same season, you see Elaine just live it up let's put it that way that's the other thing too a lot of the MGTOW guys judge the women for, for sleeping around so much why? It, you would do the same thing if you could that's that's half the reason why these guys are bitter because you can't do that 
the women can. Elaine can. So she does. And a lot of women do. They have fun. Why not? Why not? Uh, obviously, if you look into the stats concerning marriage success, virgin wives make real wives. The rest, not so much. That's the stats. That's the stats. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. But um, but once a girl is, is no longer a virgin, then what difference does it make if she goes around, sleeps with 10 guys, 20 guys, 50, 100? She's having fun, yeah? She can just swipe, swipe, swipe. Even an average girl can get with a really cute dude. Why not? If you were her, you'd do the same thing. And if you could do that with women, if you just had all these women swiping, which means which means yes, is it right? Swipe right? Whichever way it is. If you had all these women swiping yes on you, of course you would sleep with a new girl every night, probably. What wouldn't you? So why judge the women for doing that? So anyway, in season seven of Seinfeld, that's what Eleni's doing. She's going nuts, man. Just... Hypergamous is shit, yeah. And then uh, when when George is getting married, she's jealous about it. Has no positive feelings for George. And then she tells the rabbi. The rabbi tells the the whole neighbourhood. Like Elaine is shown like this beautiful woman. Elaine is beautiful even by season seven when she's what <coughs> well into her thirties. She's still, I think she's still really cute. Uh, even by that stage, she's shown she's shown as this beautiful or sexy fun woman. But she is shown as, as a devil, basically. And then you've got Kramer dropping these red pill truths. You've got George's marriage is a disaster. Every time he tries to talk to Susan, there's nothing to talk about. They're just sitting there, yeah? Season 7 of, of Seinfeld is just red pill mania. And who was it brought to you by? Well, you tell me. What does Seinfeld, Larry David, have in common? You tell me. All right? So what this poll commenter was saying is... And again, this is me projecting some of my own opinions onto the framework of his comment. It's like, okay, if you want to blame the Jews for porn and for Tinder and all these dating apps and for the the TV, some of the degeneracy on TV, okay, but there's there's another way to look at it, which is, aren't you you glad you know the truth? Because they're kind of putting it in your face, okay? Tinder puts it in your face. If, If you're never fortunate enough to be laying there with a girl and just letting her show you her Tinder thing next time you're on a bus (laughs) next time you're on a bus there's a half or a train just peek at what the girls are doing just fucking swipe 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 it's crazy shit man that's the truth in your face brought to you by who the people you think are your enemies man go back and watch season 7 of Seinfeld yeah who was that brought to you by hmm the people you think are your enemies porn yeah porn which Again, I think is a drug. It's like a drug, and if used at all, should be used sparingly. But there are some things that are revealed in porn, and certain things that people will do for money that, that maybe they're showing you some truth. Yeah, brought to you by who? Yes. So even if it is one group who's responsible for all of this, even if that is the case, and I'm not for a second saying that I agree with that premise. But if you believe in that premise, as the, the commenters in this thread seems to, then just as the anonymous uh, commenter responded, if you actually believe that, okay. But why see yourself as a victim? Maybe these people are helping you. Yes, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Let's check the live chat once again. Goodness gracious me. This I wasn't meant to cover these topics today, but whatever, man. Why not? Who else is going to do it? I'm the world's leading skeptic for a reason. If I don't cover these topics, who's going to? 
Nobody. Period. I wish that weren't true. I wish there was others out there like me, but there's not. I've, I've searched. Trust me. I've searched. Uh, Mikey Colin says, we're just thinking about you today. Glad to hear new content. I live to give. Thrice said Hermes say, I'm happy that I went to a single-sex school. Yeah, I went to a co-ed school, a co-educational school. If I had children and if I was going to send them to school and if I had the control of this decision, because let's be honest, in Western countries, does a man have that decision? Usually no. But let's just say in the ideal world I had all this uh, control over the situation. If I sent him to school, I think I'd want him to go to a, a single-sex school, yeah. Why do you want your uh, 14 or 15-year-old boy surrounded by 14 or 15-year-old girls? How can that possibly be good for him? Especially if he's there to learn. If he's there to learn. He's, he's either going to be one of the, the 3% and he's going to be way more focused on the fun than he is on the school. Or he's going to be one of the 97% and he's going to be uh, just so frustrated. Outrageously frustrated by by the situation. That's not good. I don't think so. That's my, just my opinion. I'm not here to tell people what to do. Just my opinion. Uh, and as I says, average as usual, John, please realize. <clears throat> Let me try this again. Blah, 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 blah. Look, I don't know if Anderson is, is uh, serious with his comments or if he's just like, like I don't know what his what his shtick is. Uh, but I will say this: the the flat Earth scene, more than than other scenes that I've seen, is full of retards. It is completely full of retards who, yeah. Uh, today I haven't discussed the the non-player character meme concept, but I'm here to tell you: yes, most of the people in your day-to-day life are no different from robots. No different. They're no different. I'm not, I don't mean they're a little bit different. I mean, they're no different in form or function from robots. Which, which I think is a nicer way to think of them than to think of them as, as being retards. You know, because thinking of them as retards, it implies that they had an inherent capability that was better than what, what transpired due to uh, genetic abnormalities or um, environmental factors in the womb or accidents uh, post, post-birth. Whereas just calling them bots, it's like, yeah, that's, that's all they're designed to be. You design a bot to just parrot scripts, yeah? Bang. I think it's nice. A nice way to see them. What else we got here? Thrice at Hermes says, the neo-reactionaries write quite a lot about how the traditional societal structure is designed to curb women's hypergamous nature. Mm. Look, we don't have time to go into this today, but there is a question of, do you really want to quell their hypergamous nature? Like, do you really want to? Okay. Just hear me out. Is being a father to a loving family the only way to live a good life? If you believe the answer is yes, then of course. And, and should everyone uh, have, have the ability to be, be part of such a family? If your answer is yes, then sure. You want to curb hypergamy. You want people to marry their one and only who they're with for the rest of their lives. Okay? I get it. But if you're open to the idea that maybe that's not necessarily the only path to a happy life, then, then maybe you don't necessarily need to curb women's hypergamous nature again I get I get that a lot of guys most guys the vast majority of guys including me we're not in that top 3 or 2% so we don't get to enjoy the the bevy of access to pretty much all the women I get it right well you know if I if I can't be one of the, the chads then, then the chads shouldn't get to be chads either right I get it but I don't think that kind of sour grapes is uh I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the, the right attitude to have, personally. See, the, the, here's the problem that we've got. 
the problem that we've got is that all these men are still working jobs, getting taxed, and they feel like, oh, and then, dude, what's happening in workplaces is terrible. You know, so it's it's a combination of factors. But but even if we had the ideal world where there wasn't this nonsense gender quota make work, just insane stuff going on in the workplace, right? Like I, I think that I think you could have a good society that didn't necessarily have to, to curb hypergamy. I don't I don't think you really need that, man. I, I think look I could go into this another time, but and, and the other thing too is man, let's be honest. Am I back? Are we back? Am I back? Let's find out. Ah, that's frustrating. Gender quota. Alright, someone let me know in the live chat if I'm back. I don't know if I am. This, this, this is, uh, this is not, uh, this is not good. Hmm, why is this happening? And why, how come when I'm on the Fakeologist Discord server, does my Discord always break up? Hmm? It's, I don't think it's a computer. It's a good computer. It's a few years old, but it's still pretty good. Am I back? Let's test. Am I on? Mad buffering. Alright, that's good. That's good. Well, there was there was over 20 people watching before the latest disconnection, and that's dropped right down, which is understandable. But, uh, yeah, it's frustrating... Look, it's, the, the technology we have is amazing, so I never want to complain about it, but it is strange how sometimes this nonsense happens. It is, it is strange. It is strange. It's, and it's frustrating. But, hey, there's no point complaining, man. Shit happens, whatever. So where was I? Uh, oh yeah. Look, the point I was going to make before the latest cutout was just, how, how can guys who have slept around complain that women do that? It's, it's silly. Oh, it's okay for us, but not for them. It's like, okay. Uh, who do you expect to listen to that and take it seriously? You know what I mean? If someone comes back and goes, oh, no, no, it's bad because when women sleep around, then they become bad wives. Okay, well, worry about that when you're choosing a wife. Just don't take any of these modern women, you know, go without. Oh, no, no, I, I want society to impose chastity on the women so that I can have a wife. Oh, so society owes you a wife. I see it. Society owes you a chaste wife. I see how it's okay. You think the world owes you? <clears throat> Man, a chaste wife is is a gift from God, and you think society owes you that? Man, people think they're owed so much in our society. Look at the number of people who complain about YouTube. Oh, YouTube censoring videos. Well, go start your own website. Oh no, YouTube owes me. The the this this mentality of being owed things. When you, when you take a step back and think about it, it's phenomenal. Truly phenomenal, in my opinion. Anyway, let me read a couple more comments and uh, and then we'll get out of here. So, no one, the trolls versus trolls says no one shall put down Seinfeld. I went through a phase a few years ago where I got hooked into. All right, I fell for the whole the Jews are responsible for this thing meme. I did. I fell for that to an extent, anyway, to an extent. And um, obviously, like not all the Jews, but this idea that hey, how come so many of these companies have Jewish people involved in them. Like, I did I did fall for this idea of um, there's some kind of broader Jewish agenda. 
Like it's actually a Jewish thing that's going on. And like the agenda that I now see being... I now have a different idea of who and what is responsible for all of this, but at the time I fell into this idea of, no, there's, there's, some, there's some primarily Jewish element to it. And, uh, and I stopped enjoying Seinfeld. I stopped watching it. Not that I've ever been like someone to really watch much TV or anything, but I could no longer enjoy Seinfeld the same way. Whereas, um, whereas now I'm like, no, nah, man, Larry David did me a solid, did me a big time solid. There's a lot of truths in that, in that TV show. A lot of truths. Yeah, Larry David, comic genius. Even putting aside the truth bombs he put in there. You know, it was almost like a warning, wasn't it? Or was it? Look, I can see different, I can see different interpretations of all of this, whatever. But guys, it's time to wrap this up. So let me show you one more thing. This is what you need to do. Make sure you go and check out chandlebond.com. Go and check out the mailing list. Click here. Go and join. Nice and easy. I'll send you a whole ton of content in the next day or two. If you want to see the article that I was looking at earlier today as a basis for this piece, check out the link in the info box below. Jay's analysis. Make up your own mind. Uh, me personally, I think he does some good stuff. I think his impersonations are great. I wish I could do impersonations like him. I can't. In terms of his philosophy and his... Um, what orthodox Christian beliefs or whatever hey good luck to him man I understand he's getting married now good luck to him um, yeah I wish him nothing but but the best of luck and that's how I feel about most people you know uh, most people I'm like hey good luck with you in life and, and I hope it all works out yeah, I've, I've got enough uh, yeah whatever so yeah on the 20th of November started on the 19th of November 2019 John LeBond signing off from Hanoi in northern Vietnam what an amazing place to be Feel free to contact me, johnlebond123 at gmail.com. We can discuss anything I've discussed here and more. But uh, if you're not a member of johnlebond.com, it'll take me a long time to respond to you probably because I've got, yeah, about 100 people around the world who are making my lifestyle possible and supporting what I do, real skepticism. And uh, they get first preference in any correspondence I engage in. And anyone with half a brain can see why that is. So on the 20th of November, let's try that again. On the 20th of November, 2019, John Bond signing off. And until next time, remember, no more monkey business. All right. <laughs> Shimona.